With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. See you don't. There you go. Hey, can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello. Can you hear me? I can't tell. Hello? Hello? Hmm. Let's try the other one. I'll see if it works. Yeah, just asking, um, I'm trying to remember what I was asking you, um, um, Oh, you were saying that um, you you were reading the order. You said you said you were reading the order um, just a little while ago, this morning. Yeah, I well, I haven't read the order. I just found out that there was an order um, that was put into place. Um, but the only thing that I knew of is the fact of what was told to me by Colette that she was refusing visits and that's that's all I know which is the same thing that I told your mother yesterday and then she spoke to Dr. Siegel and I don't know to what lengths the conversation you know took place but you know I, I did you know allow her to speak to Dr. Siegel and so I don't know what they discussed um, and then after that I had no, nothing else to do with the situation at hand No but I'm saying that you said that um this morning that you said you were aware what kind of an order I'm saying? Um, it was just an order saying that um, uh, Colette is refusing visits from her father and grandmother. Yeah, but no, I'm saying who, I mean, obviously she didn't write the order, she's a kid. No, um, I, it has to be written by the, the physician. That doesn't come from um, the patient. An order has to come from a physician. What I'm that's what I'm saying she's saying that a um you saying that a, a physician you know uh, Mr. Spiegel or Siegel you said wrote no I don't think Dr. Siegel wrote that that would have to come from um, probably Dr. Metlin she's our MD on the unit Dr. Siegel is our psychologist on the unit all right just I'm trying to hang on a second I'm trying to I'm trying to get my mom to try to understand what's going on here too okay.
Hello, can you hear me right? Yes, I can hear you. All right, hang on two seconds. Okay. Mm-hmm. That sounds better. I was just getting a crazy echo. Oh, it could happen. These phones are a little old and raggedy. Yeah, um, what I was basically saying was, um, you said Dr. Siegel is a physician? No, Dr. Siegel is a psychologist. Is a psychologist. Okay. Yeah. And who do you say the lady was? That... Dr. Jennifer Metlin is our psychiatrist. Okay. And do you have her phone number? Yes. Her phone number is 540-332-2142. 2142. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all basically starting with 322? Yeah. All of our numbers start with 332. So... Um, and at any time you can, you know, get that, get either one of us. Um, I know the doctor has been extremely busy, but I'm pretty sure if you call or leave her a message, she'll definitely call you back. And um, I'm sending everybody an email right now letting them know that you're trying to reach them so, you know, so they can be anticipating your call. All right. No, that's fine. Um, uh, I'm just trying to get some of these, uh, you know, you kind of, you know, caught me and <laughs> me doing something so long. Uh, but I recognize the phone number. Right. No, that's not a problem. I just um I didn't have any numbers for you, so I had to try to see if I could find some. Um the ones that we have on our RRI sometimes are not always up to date. Um but I did want to return your phone call, um, being as though I know that you, you tried to call. So, you know, just try to provide you with some insight as to having nothing at all. Yeah, because, like I said, I know the relationship between my mom and um, and her grandmother and her isn't very good right now. Because, right. Because the girl um, said that grandpa, you know, did a lot of horrible things mm-hmm. to her, you know. Um, right. I don't know if you know that. Anything. Yeah, I do. And um, and so, that's part of the reason why she doesn't want to see her grandmother. Um, because and, there, was, there was a, you know, she, she, um, told the police that there was all kinds of child pornography and videos and mm-hmm. and that she'd watch porno with the grandpa and all sorts of stuff and he would take her out of the bed and do pornography with her. So um, the police had to admit in court the other day that they found absolutely no pornography on any of his computers or his cell phones or his... So now the girl's testimony is taken into... Um, nobody believes her anymore. Right. So now she's having a real hard time because for the longest time, versus she was their star witness. She was their star on the show. Okay. And then they had to go to court uh, on the Thursday, uh, on the 18th, and say, we have absolutely no pictures. We have no proof. There was absolutely no pornography on anything that Grandpa has. And all the other grandkids are saying that Grandpa spoils us to death. And mm-hmm. I've known Frank for 32 years, and there's no love between me and Grandpa. He's a guy who lives with my mom. I barely right. know. But what it is, is I've never seen him hit my mom or hit any of his children or hit any of his grandchildren. And I explained to, to the police officer, Michael Rohner, who I knew quite well before this happened, mm-hmm. said, you understand she's pissed off at Grandpa because he embarrassed her on Halloween in front of his uh, her boyfriend, a little 12-year-old boyfriend, 12-year-old granddaughter, we're chasing chickens in the field, and Grandpa said, hey, that's our dinner, that's our breakfast, chase them back to the pen, don't, don't stress them out by chasing them across the field. And then 
my mom thought an army of squirrels came into the house because we have a tin roof here at their home. And it was really, she was letting cats come into her bedroom at night, all the feral cats. And Frank walked into, you know, half a dozen cats running around her bedroom. And he put uh, window locks on the windows so she couldn't bring the cats into the bedroom anymore. And I said to Michael, I said, did you get a report after Halloween? Yeah. I said, do you understand that girls know how to say if grandpa touched her or daddy touched her? Do you understand that they know grandpa or daddy will be removed immediately? Do you know they know the rules? Well, yeah, you know, she might have done that. I said, okay, so what's she saying? And then he went on and on. I said, do you have any proof of this? And he said, well, that's what I'm investigating. So I actually videotaped Michael Rowan arresting Frank Russo on the driveway. Mm. The grandfather. And the video's up on YouTube and thousands of people all over the world already watched it. Michael Rowan said he has the pictures and he has the proof that grandpa did the child pornography. Mm-hmm. And I if you have the proof, Michael, we're 100% behind you. Grandma's behind you. I'm behind you. But if you don't have the proof, Michael, you do understand you're taking the word of a child, and you do understand the word liability. He says, no, I've got the pictures. I've got the proof, and I'll come back and show you. Well, they had to admit in court four months later, they have no picture, and they have no proof that any of this stuff this little said was true. So now she was the star witness, and now all of a sudden... Um, saying that uh, the foster care family isn't treating her good anymore, that they're not feeding her anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, She ran away to go to 7-Eleven to find food, you know, and uh, she was sending out text messages and emails to her aunts and her cousins saying that she's always hungry and the foster family makes one meal for them and a separate meal for the girls. So when social services found out that the girls were letting this information out, social service worker, Tara lady, actually said the girls are lying. Mm-hmm. So the girls are, are being told now that they're a liar by the social service worker about foster care not feeding them properly. Right. And, and the, But if the mom or the dad or the grandparents said that the granddaughter's lying about child pornography, we're all in denial and we're not supportive to the girl. You see how it's a double, a double, right. double standard here. If we say, if we say, can you please investigate this? Can you please find out if there are pornography pictures before you arrest Grandpa and before you take the girl into custody? Can you at least find out mm-hmm. if any of this stuff is true? If it was under investigation for three weeks, and he stayed away from this place for three weeks during investigation, and he didn't delete any files on his computer at all because if he deleted a single file, he would have got charged with tampering with evidence or destruction of evidence. He deleted nothing from his computer. He had, they had five recording devices. They, she said, Grandpa used the cell phone to take pictures. Grandpa used the video camera. Grandpa used the still camera. Grandpa was watching it on his laptop, and Grandpa was watching it at desktop. And they used all of these recording devices and found no pornography on Grandpa's recording devices, which to me is, is incredible for a 65-year-old truck driver to not have any porno. That's, that's me. That's like, it's, are you kidding me? So... And like I said, I said to Michael, I said, you better be careful that this is Grandpa. He has a farm. He's worked for 33 years without a vacation. And the only thing that he requested for when you locked him up was his Bible that he carries in his truck. That's all he wants. I said, you understand, my daughter was in social services up until the age of six years old. Do you understand when we got the child back at six years old, uh, we got it just before the holiday season, 
And my whole family was up here. My brothers, my sisters, everybody was up here at Christmas. And when my daughter came down uh, for Christmas to do the presents, she took off all of her clothing. And she started running around the Christmas tree naked and started doing some sort of, um, I don't know, it's like a, uh, a grinding kind of dance where you, I don't know, you know, it's a, it's like you watch rap music. and Yeah, it, twerking. That's it. She was starting to twerk. Okay. And my mom had to take her to the, you know, bring her upstairs and say, honey, you know, I don't know where you learned this. I don't know who taught you how to do this, but you're, you're in our home now and you can't run around naked and you can't do this. Maybe this is how you used to celebrate Christmas at the foster care home, but you can't do that here. So see, that's what I'm saying. So my child was taken at the foster care basically the moment she was born. Mm. And I don't know, because I'm trying, I showed everybody, the reason why my, my, my son was taken, my son was the one who they initiated all this. He's still here with grandma and me. Social services, he was born with Downs. And okay. they and they wanted me to do all kinds of classes and all kinds of nonsense, me and the, the wife, the, the mom, to do all these classes to get him discharged from the hospital. And I was like, look, when, he, when he's ready to be discharged from the Alabama hospital, we're going to bring him up to Virginia to my folks' farm. You know, and they said, no, you're not. You're not going to leave the state without our permission. I said, are you trying to tell me I've done something wrong? No. Are you telling me you were charged with abuse and neglect? No. Well, we have to do a home study of your mom's farm before will let him leave the state of Alabama. I said, ma'am, I don't live in Alabama. I'm going to take my child. The child was born premature. Mom was down here visiting family. We're going to go home to Virginia when the child's discharged from the hospital in three or four months because he weighed two pounds, nine ounces because he was born premature. And they said, he's not going anywhere without our permission. I said, ma'am, is that a threat? She's like, well, we need to do a home study in another state to make sure that it qualifies for placement. I said, ma'am, I know how to explain this to you. That little bundle of joy is mine and hers. And when he's discharged, we're going to take him home. He belongs to us. And she said, well, not without consent. I said, really, ma'am? I said, are you communicating a threat? Are you trying to tell us that we can't take our child home? Mm. We'll let you comply and sign all your paperwork and do it, and we're not going to uh, release the child to you. I said, ma'am, you know, I'll see you in court. So that, no, they said that... Uh, they actually have it from the Attorney General's office from the state of Alabama that said the reason why the child was taken into custody was based upon an agreement between the parents and the social services that the child is to be taken into shelter care. And I actually have the actual word, you know, signed by the Attorney General that this is why the child was taken. And they said the agreement can be found on page 40, 41, 42 of the case file. And the only problem with that agreement it has to do with another child who belongs to another family. So the mom, and they actually says two months after he was born, social services said the safety plan still has gone unsigned to this day. The mom and the father will not sign the safety plan, even though it was read out loud to them by the social worker, they will not sign it. So this all started not because of abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm. It's all started because my son was born with Downs, and we refused to sign any kind of a safety plan. So then the next child was born. She was born here. And social services didn't take away. Wife went down to Alabama with the daughter, Colette, to visit family again. And as soon as she got into Alabama, social services in Alabama took her away. She was here for two, three weeks before she was taken into social services custody down there in Alabama. Before the mom went down, I said to the mom, do not go to Alabama. They already got Cole in custody. As soon as you walk across that state line, they're going to take Colette. And they took Colette from her and didn't let 
my wife, the mom, see her own daughter for 17 months. Wouldn't let her have any visits. Wouldn't let her have any contact. And if the kid was dead or alive, she only had one Polaroid picture of Colette in a diaper. And that was it. Said, your child's still alive. Here's a, photo. Here's a Polaroid of her. She's still alive. 17 months that the mom wasn't even allowed to have communications. And the mom was never charged with abuse and neglect. I was never charged with abuse and neglect. There is no criminal history of the mom or I on file anywhere. And the social service did a massive background check on us. And uh, like I said, this is uh, this is how ridiculous this has been getting. Like I said, in the, like I said, not too many people know that Colette, on her first Christmas here, took off all her clothes and was running around the Christmas tree naked and started twerking. That's the word. I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the popular. I try to keep up with all the jargon. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was gronking or something like that. And somebody told no, you told me. No, I said it's gronking or something. Twerking. <laughs> but like I said, she learned this before she got here. Mm-hmm. This is what we're trying to say, that we tried to warn the police officer, you understand you're not dealing with a kid who um, has a good perception of reality right now. And they don't want to believe us. So now that she's done this to herself, you, people might take it a little more serious, like realize that this is your star witness, Mr. Policeman. Do you understand this kid, has, that the other girl's not doing this, the camera's mm-hmm. doing this. And that's what we also said to social services. We don't understand why... Um, Cameron was taken into custody. Cole's not taken into custody, my son, and he could barely speak. So if something was actually going to go wrong with him, if anybody was going to be harmed or abused, how would he actually vocalize abuse and neglect? He he wouldn't be able to do it. I said, so, you know, and it would devastate him if he was taken out of here anyway, because he, it would be very hard to explain to somebody who's mentally retarded why you're not, you know, with grandma. Right why you're not with your chickens, why you're not with your dogs and your cats, and why you're not going to school. Right. He doesn't have the understanding that these his sisters do. Mm-hmm. That, well, no, sometimes the police come, you got to go with us. And, and that's what I was trying to explain to them as well. Why is Cameron held in state custody when she said, look, Grandpa just did nothing but spoil me to death. And I was, been, you know, Colette and Cameron have been together basically since Cameron's been born. She says, I don't remember Grandpa doing anything. That, and she kept saying to Colette over and over and over again, you know, when they were together, Colette, are you sure it was Grandpa? Are you sure? Because, are you sure? Mm-hmm. That's all Cameron kept asking her. Like, every day they're in foster care together. Are you sure that it's Grandpa? Are you just dreaming this, imagining this? Are you sure it was Grandpa? Because I've been with you every day of my life. Are you sure? So Cameron was questioning Colette all the time. And like I said, we don't understand why you know, obviously, we're going to work on that today. Try to get Cameron out of that foster care home because they 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 took her into foster care because Colette was lonely. Mm-hmm. Colette, they were afraid Colette wasn't going to cooperate with them, and Colette was wanting to just go home when she was taken into custody by herself. Mm-hmm. So they said that they're going to take Cameron as well, but there's no charges of abuse and neglect against Cameron. You know, and she never that anybody ever did anything wrong to her. So, like I said, obviously, we're going to have to start working on trying to get Cameron back. But um, you said that um, the the one lady who uh, let, me, uh, let me just see if I got these phone numbers. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to type it down. Here you go. I got um, DSS legal is Kara. Mm-hmm. She's, she's the legal guardian. You're saying the mm-hmm. doctor for the facility is Jeffrey Aaron. Yes. And in 2021. Correct. 
Dr. Siegel's is 2141. Correct. You said your name is Malika Muse. And that's this. And, and you said the hospital was uh, uh, RMH up there. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pull them up and see what information they're going to give me. What was actually physically wrong? If there was anything physically wrong with her or she was just mentally wrong? It was just mental. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I said, this yeah. year. Doing anything with herself, eating anything, swallowing anything, you know, what was she doing? Um, well, I just know the first day she was admitted here, she was, you know, very quiet. She kind of stayed in her room all day. Um, she didn't really speak too much initially at first. Um, yesterday she was in better spirits. She was in high spirits. Her and I, um, I took her to class because um, we also have a school here. Um, so she got her school schedule, and, you know, I walked her down to class. Um, yesterday, she seemed to be in a lighter mood, um, engaging with her peers. Um, and outside of that, I mean, she's been doing, you know, pretty well. Um, I didn't, you know, see anything that would cause alarm. Yeah, well, like I said, we were, we were trying to warn, you know, Augusta County that you don't know this child's background. You don't know her history. You don't know her mother's history, and you don't know her grandma's history, blood history. She, you, you folks don't know it. Right. Her mom was adopted. Her mom was in a mental institution. Her mom, her real mom, she doesn't know who she is and why she was taken away from her real mother, the grandma, her real blood grandmother. Nobody knows who the real blood grandmother is, why they took my wife from the blood mother, and why my wife wound up in a mental institution when she was a teenager. So nobody really understands that this is a family tradition for, you know, mm. for females. Right. And does her mom, um, do you know what her diagnosis was? Uh, I know she's on, uh, what do they call it? She's got full, um, what do they call it, disability uh, mm. or whatever. And, and I I don't, you know, I, I'm sure she could actually give me the clinical diagnosis of mm-hmm. what. Right. But, you know, she's just on every freaking, you know, she's on like a mood, like to make a happy kind of drugs. Okay. She's on antidepressants. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so um, because it's very hard for her to get motivated. Gotcha. So, like I said, what I'm saying is there's a history of this, and nobody's talking to the dad. And how are you going to find out by talking to an infant? What's the past history with your grandma? She doesn't even know grandma. Right. She, she, you know, can you draw a picture of your mother for us? No. You know, you know, she, she, she nobody's asking the dad. Nobody's asking anybody who actually helped this kid any questions. You, you folks are talking to a, a social worker that I've never even met. Well, actually, that's part of my role, to be honest with you, is to collect the social history. So, you know, I don't have a problem with asking because I want to know more, you know. And um, I think at some point, if she's here past these three days, they're going to want to do like a family session probably with Dr. Siegel to try, you know, to try to figure out more of the family dynamics Um, because it's very important, not just for her own mental health. Um, The more we know, the better idea we have of what's going on. Because, like I said, when we we try to explain to you, like the social services or anybody, look, we know the history of this child. We know the history of of her family, Mm -hmm. her family. On the paternal side, the grandma came up to visit was the paternal grandmother. We know the history of the maternal side. And 
nobody's asking us. And everybody's just saying, well, we're going to do this to her, and we're going to do this to her, so it's going to force the kid. You better not do that to her. Why? She's going to snap. Well, you know, we, we're trained professionals. Um, we've lived with the kid. We know what she's going to do. We know what the mom does. You know, we know what you're, you're pushing her buttons, and we know she's going to throw over the edge. You can't treat her like this. Mm-hmm. You might treat the other kid like this, but you better not treat Colette like this because she's, she's going to flip. She's, she's not going to tolerate it. The other girl will take it. She'll basically tolerate anything you guys dish out to her. You guys throw a, a plate full of beans every day for the next 20 years, and she'll sit there and take it. Colette's not going to take it. Colette's going to fight back. You know, if she's any form of any kind of a, uh, where there's noncompliance, she's going she's gonna to act out. She'll say, no, it's going to be this way. It's going to be my way. And say, well, honey, um, you're going to have to, uh, you know, think about it. No, I'm not thinking about it. This is the way it's going to be. I'm going to make the magic happen. It's going to, I'm going to, because that's what I want to do. It's like, honey, do you realize what's going to happen if you do what you do? I don't give a damn. See, and the other daughter, Cameron, is nothing like she's rational or she understands, you know, she, she she's more um, worried about, you know, uh, the consequences to her actions. The other girl is just going to do it because... It, it feels good. I'm like, oh, let's do this. Right. The other girl was raised in the same foster care family. She didn't take a cloth off and, and uh, took her out of the Christmas tree. You see what I'm saying? So it wasn't like the other girl, even though she was two years younger, she was only four years old on the first Christmas here. She didn't say, oh, yeah, it's time to run around the Christmas tree and start twerking. You know, like I, like I said, um, when I went to visit her at visitations in Alabama, it really upset that the foster care father always kissed my daughter on her lips. I i don't think I've ever even kissed my daughter except for maybe on top of her head. Right. This guy was kissing my daughter on, his, on her lips, which to me is, you know, uh, you know, obviously they had a gun in my head where I would have reached across the table and punched him in the mouth. I said, yeah, that's, that's, that's you know, sir. Like I said, to see somebody kiss you put on the lips all the time was is sick. And for her to come home and take off all her clothes and run around Christmas tree naked, to me, something's going on. Something happened. That is not normal child behavior. So when did she start doing that? When when she got to you all at the age of six? Yeah, when she came back to us. You know, she came to us, and, you know, just before the holiday seasons. And, um, and what was funny is I have a brother who's 32, 33 years old. And I have a brother who's 50, and, you know, I got a, we got a pretty large family. When my brother seen that at 33 years old, I'd do that. He lives here at my mom's house. He put a lock in his bedroom, and he went to work every day, and he said to me, I didn't talk to anybody in this house for one year. He said, I didn't talk to mom, I didn't talk to dad, I didn't talk to any of your kids. He said, I went, in my house, I went in the house, went straight to the room, locked my door, went straight to work every day for one year. He says, I don't want to get involved. He says, I don't go near your kid. I don't want to touch her. He says, I don't want her touching me. He says, there's something wrong with her. I don't want nothing to do with her. He said, for one year, he said, really? For one year? He said, Carl, I swear to God, I, I would not talk to anybody in this house because of what she did around that Christmas tree. He says, I don't want to get involved. And that's the only thing I feel bad about Frank, the, the grandfather, is because he got involved. He cared. And he tried to do something, and now he's being punished for it. And um, 
And I said to people, that's what you get. I said, you don't understand the society we live in. If a, if a girl says Grandpa did something, she could make up the most phantasmagorical story, and Grandpa or Daddy are going down. And uh, they even threatened Frank, even though they knew they had no pictures and had no proof the day before the hearing, they told Frank, you better plead out to taking whatever five years in jail because we're going to go to the hearing tomorrow and we're going to recommend to the court that you get life without possibility of parole. And Frank's 65 years old and never been charged with a crime in his life, never been arrested. Wow. Worked for 33 years for, for a trucking company. He never took a vacation. And uh, like I said, when he went to the jail, the only thing he wanted was his own personal Bible from his truck. And they said the jail will provide one for you. And so for, for him to have to go through this because of my child's mental issues, and I tried to warn the police officer, Mike, I hope you got those photos. I hope you got the proof. He says, I do, and it's on video. And it's just, you could go on YouTube and type in Carl Lentz and Michael Rohn, and you'll see the Frank being arrested in the driveway. But see, this is what was crazy, is Michael Rohn investigated Frank for about three weeks. And he, he brought Frank down. Uh, Frank came to me at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning, and I explained to Frank, look, go get an attorney, go talk to the bail bondsman across the street from the, court, uh, from the jail. You know, don't say anything. All right. Then they criminally charge you and come home, you know, or be booked. It doesn't matter. If they got proof, Frank, they don't talk to you. They're just going to arrest you. If they have proof, they're going to talk. So he came back home, and he said, well, call. They wanted me to come down again. And uh, they don't believe me that I don't have them. So I told them they could have all the computers, they could have everything. And they, but they don't believe me. Called, what should I do? And I gave them the same advice: tell them to put any proposal in writing. Say if you want to say offer me, you know. Uh, they said, well, they'll offer me counseling if I plead guilty. They'll offer me uh, no time in jail if I say I did it. So and so his son was with him too. Frankie, the, the man who ran upstairs for years, refused to come near my kids. He was with his dad the whole time. And he was at the police department. He says, call the They're promising my dad that they're not going to put him in jail if he just says he did all these things. And I said, that's ridiculous. You don't say, if you didn't do it, you didn't do it. And you let them do whatever they want. He said, well, call the threatening to put me in jail for four months without bail, without bond, without a hearing. And they're going to put my name in the newspapers, a child pornographer, and they're going to destroy my uh, job. I'm going to lose my job. And um, they're going to destroy my reputation in town. And he said, call, what should I do? I said, do exactly what I told you to do. Say you want a lawyer and that you want any kind of offer that they want to propose to you. So Frank went back and he called my mom. Mm -hmm. And he said to my mom, look, I'm here at the sheriff's department and Michael is telling me he'll let me come home. He'll let me go back to work on Monday. I could drive the truck up and make the delivery in New York on Monday. He had, and, my, and my mom said, look, Frank, it's almost winter. We haven't winterized the farm. All the pipes are open and exposed. You just do whatever they want you to do. Get your ass home. Get home and get, get back to work. We need you here at the farm. We need you to work. Do whatever they ask you to do. So that they said to the sheriff, if, if I admit that I did all these things, you'll let me go home? And he said, absolutely. All we're going to do is recommend counseling, and we'll let you go home. So Frank said, fine. So they started the videotape up. And they said, Frank, did you take photos of her on your cell phone? Yes. Did you take photos of your video camera? Yes. Did you take photos with your, with your um, the camera? Yes. Do you have it on your laptop? Yes. Do you have it on your desktop? Yes. So Frank admitted to everything. And, they said, and Frank said, can I go home? Now that I said everything, can I go home? What do you think the police did? What can I go home? They arrested him. No, they let him go home. Oh, they let him go home. 
That's never got that question right. Nobody. Everybody said they arrested him. No, they let him go home. And I said to Mike, I said, are you trying to tell me you let Frank go home to where my daughters were and that he just confessed to all these heinous crimes? You do, you know he, had, he has a handgun. Yes, he told me he has a handgun. Mm-hmm. Tell me that you don't think he might have shot my daughter for doing this and then committed suicide? I, I, why did you let him go home? to my children. Well, he said he was going to go home and get all the computers and the laptops and cameras and he was going to get all the evidence and bring it back to us. I said, you're kidding me. You let him go home. He said, yes, because we told him he could go home. I said, oh, really? Lovely. I said, oh, you let him go home so it's easier for him to gather all the evidence so you don't have to go get a search warrant, come to my mom's house and search for all these things. You let him. So him and my daughter, Colette, were loading up Grandpa's car with the cameras, computers. Him and her were loading up the cars his car to bring it down to the police department. Well, he didn't have to bring it down to the police department because like 20 minutes later, the police rolled in his driveway and arrested him. And my little brother called me on the cell phone and said, call, call, get up here, get up here. You know, they're arresting dad or his dad. Right. So I videotaped the whole entire incident in the driveway. And, you know, I said to the police officer, I said to Michael, I said, you have the pictures. Yes, you have the proof. We're 100% behind you, Michael. You do. You have them, right? Yeah, and I'll show you and I'll bring them back. Really? Okay. That's great. I said, you know, because it's a good thing you're getting Frank out of here now because if you show me those pictures, I don't know what I'd do to Frank if he touched my kid. So I said, if, if he, he's really done something to my daughter, thank God you're arresting him because he's an interstate trucker. He might have done this to thousands of kids. Thank God, Mike, that you're doing your job. But, Mike, I'm telling you, if you're lying to me right now, I said, I'm not lying. I said, Mike, if you're lying, you don't got proof. And you don't have pictures. He said, I got the pictures. I got the proof. I said, Mike, there's something called liability. Um, you're going to be liable to this family, for destroying this family. I am going to be liable to the Russos because my daughter lied about Grandpa Russo. She's not a Russo. I'm not a Russo. If she's saying something false about another family in town, even though she lives here, I'm going to bear liability. But my daughter is saying something that's not true and it's going to cause harm to these people called the Russos. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bear liability as well. They could sue me. Then my daughter said something that wasn't true, Mike. I said, I'm on a hook. You're on a hook. I hope you do know what you're doing, Mike. And he says, I know what I'm doing, and I'll be back. I said, okay. And you could listen to me talking to Michael and explain to him liability on YouTube. So I got off the phone with uh, Sheriff Smith yesterday. As soon as I got done talking to the nurse, Eileen, yesterday, he was listening to me leave a message for Eileen, and he called me back. And I said to him, you're going to have to work out something with Michael. You're going to have to get him to explain to CPS because the reason why the child was taken into custody was due to his sworn affidavit saying that there was child pornography. The social services came in here and removed the girls due to his testimony that there was photos and he had the proof. And the director, uh, the regional director for social services said, we have the hard proof call that Frank did it. I said, ma'am, do you understand that everything I do, I said, I record, my phone automatically records every single day. I said, do you really have the hard proof? She said, yes, and I'm 100% behind you, ma'am. Can you show it to me? And she's like, no, we're not at liberties to show you. I said, ma'am, um, we want to work with you. We want to protect the girl. We want to get the girl help if she's been harmed. Can you, can you just give us something to work with here? And she's like, well, I didn't really mean it. We have the hard proof. I said, ma'am, you said you had hard proof, and you said that you saw it. Do you have it or don't you have it, ma'am? I said, we're not looking for monetary compensation. We just want to know, can the child come home? Is she in danger? If she's not in danger, we want a home. 
then I try to explain it to people, look, if my child was molested by a Catholic priest, and I said, well, the priest is gone, let's go back to church, my kid will be terrified to go back to church. Right. This is what I said to people, if my child was really molested here at this house, I'm not going to bring her back to this house, if Grandpa really molested her, because it would be too traumatic to bring her back to a crime scene. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. I'd find another placement for her. But if this isn't true, we're just going to go back to business as usual and just say, you know what, that's just Colette being Colette. She's just a kid that takes her clothes off and runs around naked. She's just a kid that, you know, goes jumps in a swimming pool naked. She's just, just her thing. She's just carefree, and she's just going to do what she wants to do. And there's nothing we're going to be able to do about it because she's got a mind of her own, just like her mama. She, she's got a mind of her own. So like I said, this is what we're trying to explain to you folks. This is what's going on. You know, that, um, and the big thing is that we had it handled within the family. What what happened is if, if my kid came to me and said, look, Grandpa's taking a picture of me with a camera. I said, oh, really? Which one? Oh, his cell phone and uh, video camera. Oh, really? I would have went directly to my mom and I said, hey, Mom, Colette's saying that uh, uh, Grandpa's taking pictures of us. My mom would have said, oh, really? What, what kind of pictures? Uh, naked pictures. Oh, really? Um, with the cameras, and the, my mom would say, well, one's under his bed here, and one he keeps in his back pocket is his cell phone. Give me the, give me the camera. My mom would have given me the camera instantly. Oh, hey, Mom, I'm talking to social worker here at the hospital. Yeah. And I'm explaining to her how if Colette came to us and said to us that Grandpa was taking pictures, how I would have went immediately to you and said, I need those cameras, I need them now. Where does Frank keep his cameras? And my mom would have gave me the cameras, no questions asked. Right. And my mom's sitting here saying, right, right. Right, I hear What I'm saying is, what would have happened then if Frank, if his sister was on his cell phone, I would have said, Frank, when you get off the road, I said, I'm going to meet you, and I need that cell phone of yours. And if Frank told me no, and if I said, and Frank said, no, I'm not going to give you the cell phone, I'm not going to let you look at my camera, I would have said to my mom, I'm taking Colette out of here immediately. Right. Mom would have said, oh, hell no, you're not. Frank, give him that damn camera. Yeah, here you go. You can tell him what you would have done if I said that. Who am I talking to? Uh, talking to uh, Social worker, Malika. 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 Oh, yes. I met you. In fact, mm-hmm. I'll be up there in a little while um, to see class. Right. Um, I'm going. Um... Um, my son is telling you what, you know, what would happen. Right. Yeah, what, 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 like I said, what would have happened is my mom would have, my mom would have said to, um, give me the cameras. And if my mom would have said, Frank, don't come home. You're not allowed to come home unless you give the cameras up. And Frank would have said, fine, I'm not coming home. If he really did it, he would have said, fine, I'm not coming home. I'll divorce your ass and I'll never see you again. But my mom wouldn't have tolerated it. It wouldn't have happened. I would have just said, mom, get those cameras on him. Well, he won't give them to him. Mom, i got to take the kids out of here then. My mom would have said, we'll get those damn cameras. Well, just for the record, mm-hmm. um, I, before anything happened, before any safety agreements were signed, the first hint that I had that something might have not been right, I told my husband not to come home. And he didn't. And he didn't come home for two or three weeks because the police officer... Asked me, he says he thought he, he thought I was Frank Russo, you know. Uh, Michael thought I was Frank, and he said when I come up, I walked up the driveway from my place. I live next door. I have a, house, a home next door. 
And I came up the driveway from my driveway, and I called a police car on the driveway, and I said, hey, Michael, how you doing? He says, oh, we have, I just have to have some questions. He said, there was an incident with your granddaughter. I said, which one? He says, uh, with Colette. I said, oh. I said, you mean one of the granddaughters in North Carolina? He's like, no, the granddaughter who lives right here. So I was like, wait a second, I got grandkids. Oh, it's like, you think, and I was talking to him. He says, you got to come down to the police department so I could uh, interrogate you, so I could ask you some questions. And eventually I said, who are you looking for, Mike? Oh, Frank Russo. I'm Carl Lentz. I'm the dad of Colette. I'm not the grandfather. I'm the dad. He's like, oh, oh, I'm looking for Frank. I said, I haven't seen Frank for two, three weeks. He says, he lives here? I said, yeah, but I don't know. I said, his tractor trailer usually sits in my driveway and blocks my driveway, and every Saturday i got to drive around his, his truck. I said, I know for a fact that Frank has not been here for two or three weeks because I have no problem getting in into my driveway. So I said, you know, she said, do you know where he is? I said, he's a trucker. I have no freaking clue where he is. He said, no, why he hasn't come home? No, I don't have a freaking clue. And that's because my mom told him not to come home while he was being investigated, and he didn't come home. So I didn't know that at the time. My mom and Frank.
got, I'm, I'm recording a show right now, and I'm trying to get all these people to pay in for it, but I can't come and see them. I'm building a case against these people. I'm generating up sales. I'm going to sell a very fucking 50 50 for me. Just pay that money. You're getting in the wallet, and they give up. They're going to have no sense of decency. No money to lay.
funny. I hear the phone, but I can't find it. Here it is. Because coal, that's a waste of time. Oh, yeah, I'm just uh, looking for admissions. Okay, are you trying to locate a patient? Yes, ma'am, I'm trying to find out the, the history of my daughter who was there the other day. Okay. All right, what's her name? Uh, Colette Lentz, L-E-N-T-Z, and she was there on Friday, I believe, around 10 o'clock at night. That's L-A-N-T-Z? L-E-N-T-Z. L-E-N-T-Z, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right, I was just checking to see if I had any information in the system. Um, 
I don't see anything here, but as far as you said history of um, her visits, would you like to talk with medical records? What's that, ma'am? You said this. You, you would see. you like to talk with medical records? You said yes, that you would like the history. Okay, hold on one moment, please. Sentara RMH medical records. If this is a medical emergency, hang up and dial 911. Please choose from one of the following options. If you are a healthcare provider and need medical records sent for immediate patient care, please press 1. If you need or are waiting to receive copies of medical records for insurance, billing, personal, or legal purposes, please press 2. For transcription services, please press 3. For coding, please press 4. If you are calling to request birth certificate information, please press 5. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now or press 0 to speak with a customer service representative. Yeah, Mom, call this Malika lady and find out what that doctor's name is. Sentara RMH Medical Records, this is Jason. How can I help you? Yeah, I'm looking for, um, my child was um, uh, brought up there in the emergency room on Friday, and I'm just trying to find out any uh, information I can on the condition. Okay. Um, how old is your child, sir? Uh, she's, four, uh, she's, she's 13 years old. 13, okay. What's her birthday? Uh, 9-28-2002. And her name? Uh, Colette, K-O-L-E-T-T-E, Colette Lance, L-E-N-T-Z. I'm sorry, what did you say the last name was? I'm sorry, sir. Uh, Larry Echo Nancy Texas Zebra, Lance, L-E-N-T-Z. Oh, Lance, okay. Sorry.
All right, Mr. Lynch, give me just about uh, just a couple minutes. Of course, you know how quick email is. Um, you can scan that or, or uh, scan it back to me. It will come straight to my email. And or, uh, of course, you could um, fax it back. It's, it's whichever you prefer. And um, then you just specify where you want the records to be sent. I appreciate um, it. If you don't get it in a few minutes, just give us a call back and uh, check your spam and or trash filter, whatever it is uh, that you have in Gmail. It okay. could. In, it normally doesn't, but sometimes it does end up in there. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome, sir. Oh, bye-bye.
Yeah, I'm going to show you the director guy and see what happens that way at that round. Hey, can you guys hear me okay on TalkShoot? Can somebody type in that they hear me talking okay? Yes, good. Okay, tell me if you can hear. I'm going to put my mom's house phone on speakerphone and see if, You're talking and see if you guys could hear that as well. I'm trying to call the director, Jeffrey Aaron, and um, see what he's got to say. And like I said, I think it's the best time to try to go to my daughter, Cameron, since she's sitting in foster care for no reason. So I'm going to get my mom to try to work on that with me today. Hey, how are you doing? Um, yeah, Malika Muse just gave me um, the director's phone number, Jesse Aaron. Okay. And uh, we just had a simple question. My daughter is there up in your facility, and uh, my mom wanted to come up and visit her. And um, I was trying to save my mom a trip and mm-hmm. because um, she talked to a Dr. Siegel yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the Dr. Siegel said that um, uh, that a, a a doctor, a Gen- I think it's Jennifer Metland, uh, the Metland uh, doctor on, on on Unit One said that um, uh, it was her order that you know the child wasn't to have any uh, contact with the family. We're just trying to uh, get some sort of confirmation of this because, like I said, you know Malika sounds like a real nice lady, but you know we want the kid to know that we're trying to see her, but you know we're not being allowed to or whatever. Uh, we just want to make sure that this is for real, that you know. Okay, because like I said, you know, we don't live that far away. I mean, we could do this in person. We could stand there, I guess, in your lobby and do this, or we could just do this on a phone. I'd rather do it on a phone instead of make my mom waste the time. Well, mom, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. yes, 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 you go. You take my mom. Yeah. You wanted this conversation. 
think it's Got to start working on getting permanent now, Marco. Like, 
going there. He's going to be there for at least two weeks. They said they pushed that for them. She's always going to up the bottom part. That's worse. Yeah, but I'm saying I think this is the best time to go after put a put a notice into the put a motion into the court that and get whatever information you could get from Cameron's case file. Tell him you want Cameron's case file the entire time of Cameron's case, but she's got to have her own case file. And somewhere in that case file, they must actually say the the actual abuse and neglect that occurred to her, not conjectural, not yeah, speculation. Now listen, I have a bunch of paperwork upstairs. I'm going to bring that folder down. You're going to look through that and see if that's what you're looking for. All you have to do is call up. All you have to do but is call But I already have it. Okay. You need to go to town because the thing you have is it's not certified by the clerk. Does this accurate? You can place it Well, you look at it and you'll know. Because I can almost guarantee 
there was no court order there, okay, pertaining to holding those children. The judge has to take their reports before the clerk's office every day and take, take the folders, the files of the case files, and hand it back to the, to the clerk. And the clerk says, is there anything, any new business for the court today? Did you create any orders? And the judge will say, yes, here's some orders. And the, and the clerk has to stand up from the 3 o'clock in the morning, 3 2, and then she would go home. And then she locks the files up and goes home. All court orders must be signed. All these court orders must be signed by all the parties involved. So when you get a court order back, you said you want to see this part. And if they're not signed to me, Tom, they're not what? What, in a printer? What, you need a blank piece of paper? This one? Yeah, this. this. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to record it. You, but you've got to do it. You've got to record it. They'll say, I never told you no, man. You, you've got to. You've got to either videotape it or you've got to audio tape it. You've got to get these people. You've got to build a case against them. You can't just do it the way you've been doing it your whole life. Just going there and talking. But they just ignore you. And that's where I said to social services. Why do you think they saying that, you know, so my kid comes out, we could, you know, 
because it's going to be my word, you know, my kid could say, no, daddy, if you can't, you would have came. So we got to get something in writing saying that, you know, it's by the doctor's order, blah, 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 blah. Or it's by Kara, legal guardian, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, and my mom knows all these people. And you said the um, the DSS legal guardian is Kara. You said that's her, um, that's her guardian at life, or that's just her guardian? It depends. It's the DSS legal guardian. Um, her GAL is actually, I don't have that on hand right now. I mean, some of that, but I probably will have to be from the state court to figure out.
obviously the
memoirs and you know, what happened to you happens to a lot of people. So, so yeah, yeah. Come here a second. So I'm recording this thing. So, um, yeah, like I said to my mom, I said I'm reading the report, and it says Valley Services became involved on 11-12-2015 when an explosion of sexual abuse was reported by the child. ACAC was done, and information supporting the abuse was confirmed at this time. And I asked my mom, why didn't they take the child into custody on the 12th? Why did they not take the kid until like the 23rd or 24th? Why did they wait? And what did you say? Because they try to work with the family, and they will leave the children in the home, but if things change, then they take the kids out. Because they offered you because a... Uh, they offered me a safety plan. I found a safety plan, and when we went to court, they didn't like some of the things I said, so they took the kids. Yeah, and I say to people, this is the oldest trick in a book, and back in 2001, when they kept throwing the safety plan at me and the mom, we kept refusing to sign it, because if we signed it, we're saying that we are seeking the government's help, and that because we can't control the situation, it's beyond our capacity to control what's going on. So we're inviting the government into our homes, and we're letting the government determine what we need for a safe and happy environment. So at any time they want to, because they have permission to come through your front door now and examine everything that's going on in your life, because you signed a consent form saying that you're more than welcome to interpret the private matters that are going on in our family, and any time you feel that the child's in danger, you have the right to pull them out. So this is what's going on when you sign a safety plan. This is how dangerous a safety plan is, is that you're opening the door to the government and saying that they can come on in. Did you kind of understand what a safety plan is? Yeah, but I said, uh, I made it simple. I just said. That was a very good explanation. I like that. Right. Because people don't understand that. They're upset. All they want to do is get out of there and get back home with the kids. Right. So they just, let me sign this. Let me get out of Dodge. Right. Because like I said, my dad taught me something different because my dad couldn't read or write. Brother Dan, and uh, he explained to me, he says, an honest man never he could go through his whole entire life without signing a piece of paper. If somebody's putting a piece of paper in front of you and you didn't write that piece of paper and you didn't create that contract and you didn't create that document, you're liable for everything that's written on that piece of paper and you didn't write the damn thing, so you have no idea what that piece of paper says. So no honest man would make another honest man sign a piece of paper because that'd be trying to commit fraud over, over another man. So never sign anything especially if you didn't create the document and you have no clue what that document says. But as soon as you tell them that you'll bear liability, you're the underwriter, and you'll sign the document, you bear liability for everything above that document. Now, if somebody wants you to sign something, sign at the very top of the page on the right-hand side, or sign at the very top of the paperwork on the left-hand side. They say we need to sign this, and sign it. Or sign it on the back, sign it where it's blank. But if you sign it on the bottom line, you bear liability as the underwriter for everything above that, that's written on that document. And um, like I said, they're going to leave it up to interpretation. If they believe the child is in danger at risk, that they're going to have free will to just walk through your house, no warrants, no nothing. They could just examine anything they want and take the child away at any time they wish because you're begging the government for help. So if you say, no, you know what, like, like with Frank, no, don't confess. You know what, tell the government, hey, look, put all your allegations, abuse and neglect or whatever that you have in writing and sign it and saying that I, Susie, social worker, believe that my child has been your child has been abused and neglected and due to my investigation I'm going to go to court and I'm going to take that child away from you 
So make them put it in writing. The same thing like what Frank should have done with the police department. He should have said to the sheriff, oh, that's lovely. So um, are you saying that I, you have child pornography pictures of me? Yes. Okay, put it down in writing. Say, I, Michael Rowan, have seen the pictures, and you have uh, child pornography on your computer. Or say, Michael Rowan is saying that if you let me, if you admit to all this, you could go home. So you make sure you say to them, my hearing's not so good today. I got tinnitus. I got this bad ringing in my ear. I can't really hear what you're saying. Let me write this down. Just give me a second. What are you, what are you saying to me again? And you put it in writing. And you say, hmm, is this what you just told me? Yes. Uh, what's your name? Oh, so Susie Sonswerker. Um, Will you sign this piece of paper? And they'll say, well, no. I say, well, you know, uh, I just need this piece of paper. I'm going to go out and get a uh, competent counsel, and I'm going to let the, my counsel read this and see if I should uh, sign this agreement or not and see if this makes any sense. So, you know, when any time a cop talks to you, a social worker talks to you, just say, you know, you, you got to speak a little slower. I got, I got this tinnitus. I got this ringing in my ear. I can't really hear. Here, let me, let me write this down. Let me, let me get this straight. If I do this, this, and this, you'll give me back my kid. If I do this, this, and this, you won't take my kid. Okay. And your name is Susie Social Worker. That way, you can get them in a form of extortion or communicating a threat. That if you don't do what they tell you to do, they're going to do something. They're going to take something away from you. So, because they got the power of the policing uh, ability to point a gun at your head and say, you've got to do it or we're going to take a gun at you. Away from you. You've got to comply. So that's how you get it for communicating a threat or attempted extortion. So, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to try to call up the guardian lineup for the kids and see what he's got to say and see if he's going to do anything on the kid's behalf. And uh, I can almost guarantee he's going to just, you know, freaking laugh. And say there's no freaking way he's going to do a damn thing. And um, yes, when you sign a safety plan, if it was a voluntary placement, yes, my mom could go there at any time. She could say that uh, she wishes to withdraw her signature from the safety plan. She wishes to back out of the agreement. You can't force a contract. It's just like getting a divorce. Just because you signed a marriage license and just because you swear to God to the day you die, just because you took an oath to everybody in the world that you'll stay with this man till death you part doesn't negate the fact that you could just go to a courthouse two minutes later and say, I wish to withdraw my signature from this marriage license. I no longer wish to be bound to this agreement. So my mom could go there, yes, anytime she wants, and she could say, I wish to withdraw from the safety plan because I don't see there's any benefit to me being a part of this agreement anymore because it's not working out the way I wished it to work out. I wish to withdraw from the safety plan. And then they got to prosecute my mom criminally, which is never going to work for them. But since they got my mom into a voluntary agreement that they're going to control, monitor, and take care of her until the children are 18, my mom is going to be bound by all their rules, terms, and conditions of the agreement until my mom goes there and makes a wish to have her, her signature voluntarily withdrawn. And my mom could call up her attorney, and my mom could ask her attorney, hey, if I withdraw my signature from the safety plan, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And he's going to say, oh, man, you, you, you shouldn't do that. You know, uh, if you draw from the safety plan, um, uh, all kinds of things could happen. Like what? They're going to have to actually file criminal charges with the county prosecutor, the local sheriff's department, that I've done some form of abuse and neglect to these children, correct? They're going to have to have something on record that I actually committed a crime, correct? Because right now I just asked the government to come in and help me. So now they're coming in, carte blanche. They could do whatever the fuck they want because I gave them a blank card to totally control my life until these children are 18 years old. Well, my mom basically sent a carte blanche letter to social services for the rest of her life or the rest of Cole's life because Cole will always be considered dependent. 
So if Cole is 30 years old, social services will be able to interfere in my mom's life until he's 30, 40, 50 years old, until she dies. So if she should call up her attorney and say, hey, what if I voluntarily withdraw my agreement from social services? What happens if I wish to uh, uh, no longer uh, participate in the safety plan? What happens if I wish to withdraw my consent? that the, the government has the right to come in and do whatever they wish to me, you know, while these kids are under my uh, custody. What's the worst that could possibly happen? Uh, oh, well, then, uh, you know, they'd see criminal charges on you for neglect and abuse. Is it, and how successful do you think they'd be in accomplishing a criminal, uh, uh, you know, claim against me, complaint against me in court? How many times has uh, social services ever failed in criminal uh, abuse and neglect, and what was the parents charged with? You know, burning the children, putting hot pans in hot oil, beating with a baseball bat. How are they actually going to prove to a jury, to a jury, in a real criminal court, abuse and neglect? No more family court bullshit. Criminal court. How are they going to actually prevail in a criminal court when I ask them to remove my signature from the safety plan and bring me over to the criminal side? They won't be able to do it. So a mom could just say, the house for her door is no longer open to you folks. From now on, prosecute me criminally. If I've done something, charge me with a crime. If not, get the fuck out of my life. So, there you go. Yeah, it's funny. Vital says, uh, they will make your life a living hell. How do you believe they will make my life a living hell there, Vital? They already took the kids into custody. The kids ain't coming back. The kid committed, tried to commit suicide the other day. How, how, how could, it, how could, how would uh, you think that it wouldn't work out? Be tough. I know you just say everything opposite of I say all the time, but is there a damn good reason why you're saying it, or you just just doing it because you're a fucking Vital and you got nothing better to do? Yeah, well, I don't hear you calling. I don't hear you dialing. So, I get you just like saying stuff, but you don't actually want to say anything. Because I'm sure you got, I'm sure you got proof of it. I'm sure you got proof that they're going to make your life a living hell. I'm sure you've gone through this. I'm sure people haven't signed safety plans, and I'm sure you've actually got proof that the parents who actually said, you know what, criminally prosecute me, and you've heard of hard stories. I'm sure you, you could prove it. I'm sure you'd say, oh, yeah, this is what's up. And, oh, yeah, man, you know, I had a family that wouldn't sign a safety plan, man, and, you know, they made their life a living hell. They arrested him and uh, charged him with um, all kinds of stuff. You know, what did they charge him with, and how did they prevail in a criminal court? My family court, criminal court. When you say prosecute me criminally, you think if you hit your hit, kid in the head with a baseball bat in Walmart, they'd uh, take you to family court? No, they'd bring you right over to a uh, criminal court. Yeah, here's this attorney's phone number, so let me see if I get him on the phone.
have reached a number that has been changed, disconnected, or is no longer in service. If you feel you have reached this recording in error, please check the number and try your call again. Yeah. WA5. That's funny. This phone number's not there. That's too funny. Oh, a, I'm spelling his name right. That's too funny. Gotta find another phone number. On top. On top. That's too funny. Let me call this house for another. He'll get a kick out of that. <laughs> He'll say, hey, man, it's hardly unethical, man. You shouldn't be calling me at my home, dude. Uh -huh. Well, can't get you out of an office, so let's try your home phone off. Eric uh, Swartzel. My phone number is 540-245-0318. I'm the father of Colette and Cameron, and I'm trying to get in touch with the guardian at Lightham. And um, I believe you've been assigned the case. If this is an error, uh, I guess you could disregard this call. Uh, I'm sure you're aware that on the 18th, they had to go to court, and the government had to admit, the police department had to admit that there was no... Uh, pictures of any wrongdoing between the grandfather and the, and the granddaughter and that the child had lied and that um, um, there was no uh, proof of any uh, wrongdoing when it comes to photo uh, photographs. Uh, oh, I guess that's the end of the play. <laughs> Let's try it again. That's what we're Hey, what's going on, Larry? Yeah, I'm talking on this talk show thing. Uh, oh, well, I'm on talk show with you right now. I'm doing a little talk show. I'm just recording stuff of what I'm doing today. Okay, well, that's what I call, because uh, I got two success stories. What are you guys doing your points in this thing? This guy down here in Texas, uh, just, he called me, he called me yesterday. 
the case against you, and they can't remove the case from you. If they would, like if they did, they pulled it out the day before trial, I would say no. He didn't call me up and says, well, call. They, just, they, they withdrew their case against me and said, no. You tell them the trial goes on as scheduled tomorrow. But it goes on. And you're going to make them answer those two damn sentences that I gave you. You're going to answer, make them answer those questions. Right. Because he wanted them to answer. You know, I want to talk to him because he was just like John Fall, you know, asking me a million questions and code and all sorts of crap. And I said, stop all that silly shit. Just stick with the two lines I gave you. And don't say another damn thing and shut your mouth. I think you're going to wind up like John Fuller. You're going to be in a glass booth in another room somewhere watching your trial from a video camera. Just ask those two damn questions and shut the fuck up. They won't right. be able to answer it, and, you know, the case will be dismissed. But you don't let them dismiss it. You make them continue. Right. And you make them continue until it's discharged. Right. But then once it's discharged, you can turn around, you can make a claim for compensation, so you can sue them. For court costs and everything else. You can't sue them for court costs at this point. Because it's just dismissed. It's just been held over to a later date. But they, they didn't want to, uh, he, you know, he was just, oh, I guarantee you, just like, oh, boy, I'm so glad I don't have to pay all this money. And I don't have to give Cole all the money I owe him. And, uh, $1,500 out of five grand. And he's uh, like, hooray, I don't have to pay fucking Cole the money. Yeah, exactly. You know, he just he gave me the fifteen hundred bucks, whatever. He flew me down there. I did the work for him, and uh, he said he'll pay me, you know, every month a little bit at a time. He never did. Okay, so he did not. He did not continue for the case. He just he, he let him dismiss it. That was it. Yep. He let him dismiss it, and he was happy that it was dismissed. So he didn't want to continue to really get there to open it up. And, and like you said, it could open up and the box for all, you know, for everything that he uh, it, it, it could have, It could have ended everything. It could have ended in every single thing ever. There was any tax case that was ever before the court. I could have asked the IRS a couple of few simple questions on uh, during deposition, and it would have been over. And, and everybody could have used it around the world who has to deal with, uh, with, with the IRS. got the definition, just some very basic definitions from the IRS, you know, um, you know, what, you know, just answer these basic simple questions so I can comply so we don't have to have a trial, you know, and I'll just, you know, totally, you know, you know, do what I'm supposed to do. You know, just just tell me, you know, just answer these few simple questions I have for you because I want to be in full compliance with the law. So tell me, what is a taxpayer? What is this? What is this? What is this? Stuff like that. That's all you should have done. Just ask them those simple questions. Right, right. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. He, he hit him by the ball and like that. And he tell you know, he was looking out for his own shit. And what is funny, I told him, I said, look, pal, I'm going to explain this to you. Um, you're um, They're only coming after you from the year 1999 to 2005. The judge actually asked him in Texas, in open court, why aren't you going after Mr. Ewing for also for 2007 to 2010? And he says, we don't wish to do that at this time. 
And I said to Mr. Ewing, I said, do you understand that they're going to hold this, they're going to come after you again for the 2007 to 2010. You better nip this thing in the bud. And you better get it, you know, taken care of now while I'm here and I'm available. Because if they say to themselves, you know what, I think this guy's full of shit. I don't think this guy could actually move this to the court. I don't think he has a fucking clue what these two questions mean. You know what? Call's not around. Uh, you know what? Let's pursue this guy. Let's take him back in the court and take him after 2007, 2010. And they're going to eat you for lunch. I said, you better get, I said, look, this isn't, it was all about him. It's, that's all it was. It was all about him. It had nothing to do with, say, look, man, we could help people all over the country to deal with this once and for all. Am I a taxpayer? What is a taxpayer? Why do I owe these taxes? And who am I paying this to? Simple questions. Very simple questions. Not that I hate the IRS. Like I said, if I want to be Donald Trump, if I want to be Bill Gates, if I want to be Warren Buffett, I better kiss the, the, the IRS ass because they'll make me a billionaire. But if I just want to act like a man, it's like, you know what, uh, honestly, I, I, oh, that's his name, Chris Ewing. Chris Ewing. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, so this is the yeah, last time. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. I remember that. Uh, okay, yep. Chris Ewing. Yep. Yeah, he, he was, he was, his name is behind the famous name that he had on that that television. Yep, here he goes. This is what he wrote me. This is the last email he wrote me last July. Uh, no, not July 15, July of uh, 14. He says, I hope you're doing very well. Did you ever get the Texas flag? Yeah, he sent like a silly nylon one, man. You know, not like a nice cotton one, like a $2 one he found at Walmart. <laughs> if not, I'll try to find you one. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, document we hand wrote in blue ink on a hearing date back in May of uh, May 30th of 2014. He said, this is the document I plan to send on Monday, July 7th, to the chief judge in Tyler, Texas, handwritten again in blue ink. And then he wrote a letter to um, the prosecutor, John Fisher, and then sometimes acting as the prosecutor. So, um, like I said, there's very simple questions we were asking the judge, very simple questions we were asking the prosecutor, you know, and um, questions to be answered. And... Um, you know, these are the questions. And, um, so like I said, he, the way he wrote it, you know, they, they just didn't have a way of answering it. Well, not the way he wrote it, the way it says, he says, document we hand wrote in blue ink on a hearing date. You know, I put some very simple stuff into the court. And, um, the um, social, uh, not social services, IRS. Hey, hey, shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I didn't even realize that stupid dog was barking at me because she does it all the time. It's my mom's dog. All right. And, um, but what it is is, um, um, the IRS wanted to move the case immediately against him. When I went up there in May, they said, can you, you know, set the trial date for like two weeks or a month? And then the, the judge seen the notices. He's like, no, um, we're going to um, delay this for about a year. And obviously Ewing was happy. And I was like, no, you want to get it on today. I said, I'm here. Let's do this. And he's like, no, no, no. They're going to give me a year. I'll gladly take a year to practice and study. Practice and study what? Just give him those two damn questions. Let him try to answer the damn thing. I said, they won't be able to answer. And this judge will dismiss it or discharge it. Let's just wrap it up. You know, so 
You know, he's like, no, man, I'll take the year extension. I was like, okay. I said, the only thing good about taking a year extension is now you have the ability, since this is a criminal matter, on the United States Criminal Code, Rule 15, that they have to co- they have to cooperate in a deposition. And you could drag them on to a deposition for months, or you could take them for a deposition and just ask them one or two questions. And if they don't cooperate in a deposition, you could have the judge uh, file a motion and require them to uh, answer those damn deposition questions. And if they won't do that, you could have them sanctioned that nothing they could put into the court could be recognized. Or you can hold them in contempt of court at their own court. And you can have that man put in, you know, incarcerated until he answers the damn questions. And that guy could sit in jail for the rest of his life until he answers these questions. I said, do you understand the golden opportunity that you have that nobody that I know in recorded history in the United States had the opportunity to do? Yes, I'm sure the IRS has taken people to criminal courts, not just tax courts. But do you understand that all these clowns had fucking lawyers? Nobody had called Lentz. Nobody had called Lentz. I was going to ask him a simple question. Hey, I went to deposition you. What's a taxpayer? I said, all these lawyers just said, oh, just wait till we get to trial. We'll clobber them. We'll, we'll ask them under oath, what's the taxpayer? And they got the IRS agent on the witness saying, what's the taxpayer? And uh, the IRS uh, attorney say, uh, I object. That's speculation conjecture. He has no uh, formal training in legal. Uh, he's an IRS uh, auditor. He's not an attorney. He can't answer that question. And the judge will say, sustained, uh, overruled. You're going to have to reform the question. He doesn't have the, he's not his pay grade to determine who is a taxpayer. Because then if he says, well, then do you know who in the IRS would be able to define what a taxpayer is? And then the prosecutor jump up again, speculation, conjecture, this man is not trained in knowing who in the IRS would have the ability to, you know, under the command uh, to then define what the terms and conditions of a taxpayer is. Uh, there's many definitions of taxpayers, and this man is not competent to answer that question. You know, he's just a tax auditor. And a judge will say, you know, like, sustained, you know. You know, you question, you know, you have to re-question, you know. You're never going to get a fucking answer if you wait for the trial. Right. And that's what I'm trying to That's why you want to do declaration. Right. And that's why I, Paul's got an attorney assigned to him by the United States Criminal Court down there. And his attorney, I said, why don't you deposition the the, the people who are um, the, 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 the people who are the prosecutor for the United States government is going to use against you in court? And he went to his attorney and said to his attorney, um, you know, under Rule 15, I have the right to um, deposition, you know, all the witnesses and all that evidence, and we could go over it, and we'd have everything, uh, you know, we could come down and meet here at your law office or their law office, and we could go over every document and each page, and we could uh, deposition them and see if we could get them to say something that wasn't written down, like for their um, affidavit for the search warrant. You know, a lot of the stuff on a search uh, affidavit is not true. Why don't we deposition them? and destroy their search warrant, and then put in a motion to um, suppress the search warrant, you know, saying that there was no, uh, it was the, the search warrant was obtained, you know, fraudulently, or based on a fraudulent affidavit, or based on fraud, or based on, you know, something that wasn't true, anything. And right. And his attorney said, absolutely not, that he's not going to deposition anybody. And I said to him, I said, you know, of course, Paul asked some damn good questions. He said, but I do have that right under Rule 15 to deposition the plaintiff and everybody that the witnesses and their exhibits, right? I do have that right. He said, yes. He says, and my attorney, you're not going to allow me to afford me to exercise that right. Is that what you're saying? He says, no, I'm not going to do it. 
But Paul said, but I do have that right to do it. Yes, but you're not going to help me do it. No, not going to help you do it. So you see, this is the conundrum that fucking Paul is in now. Because I want them to, this trial is supposed to be May 6th, I think. And I want it to go on on May 6th. His attorney wants to put in motion to delay it. All right. And uh, he said to Paul said to me, he said, um, I said, where's the jury testimony? He says, they don't have that ready yet. I said, so tell, don't tell the attorney to fucking delay it. I said, just, you know, anything that the jury determined, I said, is going to be able to be recognized by the court if they don't have it ready. I said, so just let them go with what they got. You know, I said, because you give them time to get the grand jury's, uh, you know, you know, testimony and, uh, you know, you get them to have the ability to have the, you know, um, the transcripts of it presented to the court. Right now, they're not ready to go. Screw them. Tell the, tell the attorney, we're ready to go. We're ready to go now. I said, you know, you got like, you know, three weeks, you know, before, you, you know, it's getting really tight. You know, he, he's got a, one more final day for motions to be heard. And I told uh, Paul, I said, you got to get your attorney to um, uh, order them to give you depositions. I said, because Paul wants to actually seek monetary compensation when this is all done. And I said, Paul, you could do it now. And the government got to pick up the tab for the deposition. I said, if you wait till it's a civil trial and you want to deposition all these people and it's going to take them a week or two to deposition all these people, it's going to cost you a fortune to deposition all these people. I said, so you better do it while the government is paying the bill. You better get all the evidence you need here at the criminal court to use against them at a civil, at a civil level. Because Paul wants to get monetary compensation for some doing all this nonsense at all. You know, it's basically a stupid tax charge. You know, he brought something into the country without paying taxes for it. Yeah. Well, what do you do? You know. He must get the, he must get the lawyer's mouth from that thing. He brought it to the country. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, that's what he's, you know, you know, he brought modifiers. You know, it was funny. I was watching TV the other day, and some guy was complaining. He says, hey, he says, the government is making us put uh, silencers, like uh, volume modifiers, on our AR-15 rifles, assault rifles now. He said, it's the law that we have to put these things on. So Paul, last year, got actually charged with a crime for bringing silencers into the country to put them on his rifle. And the law has to do it. Right. So the best they could get him for is not payment of taxes of this, that he was avoiding paying taxes. You know, it was like $200 worth of crap he bought, so he didn't pay like $14 in taxes. Mm. What do so, uh, but like I said, the IRS is going to, it was going to nail you for owing them $3.16 and uh, and over 20 years, it accumulated to $58,612.17 with late fees, fines, penalties, and court costs and everything else, administrative fees. So they're actually going to take you to court and honestly, all you owe them is, you know, 17 cents, but they can't just let it go. Right. Right. You know, we're making a, we're making a point here. It's, it's the principle of the thing. It's not the money, it's the principle of the thing. Right, right, right. So, like I said, the poem when he he calls me about twice a day, I'm going to say to him, "Hey, did your attorney ever find out exactly how much money in taxes you owe? And if you did, did you just send him a check? Mm-hmm. And just say, now there's no matter of controversy. I was aware I had to pay the taxes. Now I am. So here's the money. Have a nice day." Well, like I said, I know I said that to Paul in the past, but I don't know if uh, Paul actually brought that up to the attorney's attention. Because it could be that simple of an answer. 
goes out. So I said to Paul, I said, what, what are you on the title, the title 18? He's like, no, title 26. I said, what? Like, you know, the Treasury, IRS, what? I said, oh, ATF, yeah, they're under the, you know, if it's all about taxes, taxes, not paying taxes on whiskey and stuff. Okay, okay. Not paying taxes on firearms. I said, okay, okay, I get it. You know, he didn't get a firearm. He got a uh, a silencer, you know, a modifier. You know, just a piece of pipe with some holes in it. It looks like a, a muffler for your car. You know, they got one of those old drag pipes for your car. Right. Whoopie do. And now, like I said, it's the law that all these assault rifles that you buy, have to, you have to also buy the fucking silencer, just like you have to do in, in Europe. You buy a rifle, you have to buy a silencer. And you, you can't shoot a fucking rifle. Well, if you want to shoot it, you have to have a silencer on it, or you're going to get, you know, a fine. Right. So, so Paul did it. You know, Paul said, well, I got rifles, and I could get the silencers for, like, ten times less money than I could pay for them over here in the United States. He said, I'm home in England. They sell them right over the counter at your local hobby supply, you know, sports center. He says the rifles and the guns are almost impossible to get in England, but the silences, yeah, they throw them around like cupcakes. You know, like, here you go. You want a couple of dozen? Here you go. Just a pipe with a hole in it. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. He says it's required by law that every single gun that's discharged or, or rifle has to have a silencer modifier on it. They call it modifiers, not silences. He yeah. says, here in your country, he says, you folks call them silences like this or some fancy James Bond sneaky shit. He says, yeah. over in Europe, we do it because we don't want the neighbors to hear bang, 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 bang. Because <laughs> it's funny, my, yeah. my dog, Fox, when he hears these hillbillies, you know, going bang, 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 man, he, yeah. he runs and he hides. He hates the, shot, the sounds of gunfire. Mm-hmm. You know, so Fox doesn't like it. You know, it's funny. I said, yeah, mm-hmm. that's because he's an English border collie, and they don't like guns over there. So, <laughs> you know, he's mm-hmm. never probably heard a gun go off in his life. Yeah, it's on right now, but I'm going to uh, log off for a little bit, man. I got to go and get a, uh, cleaned up. I got to run to uh, Harrisonburg and go get my kid's medical record and find out why she was in a... Uh, you know, she tried to uh, commit suicide in foster care on Friday night, and um, they put her. She put her. She's in a mental institution now. So I want to find out if she tried to ingest something, eat something, uh, right. physically hurt her body. You know, but the police took her into custody and they um, brought her to an emergency room, and then the emergency room put her over to a mental institution. And the mental institution lady did something really funny by telling me that. The head psychiatrist lady over there decided to um, create an order and not allow uh, the mom or the dad to come visit. I said, oh, really? I said, we, we love complying with orders. Can we have that in writing, you know, so we could not harass the people and keep coming up there to try to see the kid? You know, so I said to them, look, I said, the kid's going to be discharged from the hospital someday, you know, in a, maybe in a year, 10 years, 20 years. She's going to say, hey, dad. I was in this mental hospital, and I tried to kill myself. Why don't you come up and visit me? I said, because I was ordered not to. And here's the order. And this is signed by the psychiatrist lady that you met. Remember this lady, Jennifer? Yeah, well, she said that I couldn't come up there and see you. So the person I was talking to at the mental place said, oh, okay. That, that's a good reason to have us, you know, write an order and sign it. I said, yeah, it's a lovely reason. <laughs> You're damn right. You're going to order me not to come into that public building. Yeah, put it in writing. Put it in writing. Yeah, put it in writing, man. And I totally comply with the order. 
Yeah, we just called you up a, a few hours ago. Yes, ma'am, and uh, Miss Russo is standing here too. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I get Dr. Aaron's message. Okay. And someone should be contacting you, I believe, but I'm not sure. Yeah, we. But I did get the message. Yeah, we called the Dr. Metlin, the Dr. Siegel, and um, we we just like I said, this is really simple. We're just saying that um, um Malika Muse said that uh, Jennifer Metlin had created some sort of like a doctor's order that the children aren't to, uh, the child isn't to, to um, uh, have any visits with their dad or the grandma. And we okay, just... I don't know that, but okay. Okay, this is what we were told. That's what you were told. Okay. Right, and this is what we were told last night, and this is what we were told this morning. And obviously, when the kid gets released, she's going to say, Grandma, Dad, why don't you come up and see me? And has neither Dr. Siegel nor Dr. Madeline given you a return call on Ms. Malika? Malika I'll follow up to that if you've left some messages as well. Malika called, called me up this morning and she talked okay. me, and she told me she is not the one who could okay. determine whether or not I, you know, the grandmother or the father or anybody in his family could come see the kids. So we need somebody 
like I said, man, do you understand how ridiculous it's going to look if we keep coming up there every five minutes and we're sitting in your lobby for hours when this could all be solved with somebody just talking to us and saying, look, these are our orders. You can't come here. Again, sir, I apologize. I don't know, but I'll be happy to follow up. And, well, I'm saying that we really live, live five minutes away, man. We could sit in your lobby and we would waste hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of our day until one of you people decided to just say, oh, yeah, um, no, it's an order. You can't, you know, visit or talk to her or make phone calls or she can't talk to you on the phone. How hard is this to do? How hard is this to just have a piece of paper saying that we're not to come up there and, and visit? I don't know, sir. Yes. I really don't. This is an administration, but I'd be happy to give those folks a message. Is there anybody else we could talk to up there? I could uh, stop the internet on another line right now. So I could try Dr. Medlin for Dr. Siegel for you again. Would you like for me to do that? Yeah, you can try. I could try their extension. Yeah, you can try that. Do you have a preference for which one? Mr. Me- Ms. Medlin. Okay, hold on. I will try to transfer you to Dr. Metlin, okay? Okay, i got to get these thoughts out of the house. Oh, this is stopping me. I know. Um, are you going to be here? Uh, I might be. i got to run up the house first. I want to try to pick up the medical bar. Right, just call me on the phone and ask me if I hear. How about that? That's the magic of the phones. Yeah, you got your phone, right? Yes. I've reached the office of Dr. Jennifer Metlin, psychiatrist on Unit 1. Please leave a message and your call will be returned as soon as possible. If you need immediate assistance, please hang up and dial 540-332-2100. Hey, Ms. Metlin, this is Carl Lentz and uh, my grandmother, uh, Patricia Russo, is standing right over here. And uh, we're trying to come up and visit uh, my granddaughter and my daughter. Sort of uh, order that you believe done use that you have in place that the mother, uh, the father, grandmother can't come up and visit or can't phone calls to Colette and uh, have some sort of uh, written confirmation of this, not just somebody coming up on a phone. Uh, this is where you have communications with no protective orders written from any court. The father can't ah! contact ah! And there's no uh, protective orders against the grandmother. No protective orders against the grandmother. No protective orders against the father. She hasn't been charged with abuse or neglect. Um, this is, you know, our child. So she belongs to us, and we want to know what's going on and why she's there. And yes, you see the same She's doing fine and lovely and everything else. But that's the same thing we heard. Social services that she's doing wonderful and great and she's thriving and she's energetic and she's happy and everything at foster care and then she tries to commit suicide on Friday. So obviously, you know, we can't just go by you people telling us what's going wrong. And when the children were trying to call out to us and saying that they weren't being fed and that they weren't being abused and neglected at social services, you took away their cell phones, they took away their uh, internet use, 
and they isolated and alienated from their family. And you snapped the kid, and now she's in a mental institution. And uh, social services said the children were lying, that they were being treated great, and nobody was abusing them and neglecting them. So social services is not behind the child, is not backing the child's stories up, is not working with the child, and it's just calling the child a liar to a face when we come there and we confront them and the visit saying what's going on. And they said the child is lying. So the caseworker said that the child is lying. So that doesn't sound very healthy or productive or that she's in, uh, worried about the best care and interest for the child. And when the social worker just says, Kara says, the child is lying. She's being taken care of very well. And my child is sending out uh, messages to her aunts, her cousins, uh, you know, other people in the family saying, help me, we need help. They're not doing us right over here. My daughter ran away in the snowstorm to 7-Eleven to go get food. That's how starving she was. So this isn't a joke. You people aren't taking this serious. We're taking this incredibly serious. What we're asking for is can you give us some sort of piece of paper saying that we can't get involved in a child's life, that, you know, we're hurting the child or whatever, that if we made any contact with her. So, uh, yeah, there's the message.
um, yeah. this is a man named Dana. Right. Okay. Yeah, that um, yeah, Frank said that he was um, I went up to visit him, but you were having a hard time getting in touch with him. Uh, not really. Why? Because he said that um, he had a hearing on Thursday, back on the 18th. Uh, March. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh huh. And that they said that there was uh, no pornography or pictures found in the on the computer. Uh, that's not well. That wasn't mentioned at all at the hearing. Um, but my my I told him that my understanding was they hadn't found any pictures. Correct. I, I talked to Sheriff Smith last night for a little while. You know about Michael Vaughn and the investigation. Okay. And they said there is no pictures, and they said uh, they sent it out to have another county take a look at it as well. And I said, that's fine, sir. I said, the only problem is if you go to YouTube, and you go YouTube Michael Brown's name, and you Google my name on there, and it'll say, during Frank's arrest, I videotaped Frank's arrest. Okay. And Michael Brown clearly said, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he's got pictures and he's got proof, and he'll come back and show us the pictures. Okay. Okay, Michael issued out a warrant based on that belief. Michael never had any photos. Michael never had any proof. Yet he said he did. And it's on video. It's not my word he said, she said, and I'm just a clown and Michael's a duly sworn citizen and an officer of the court and he would never lie. Well, Michael obviously lied. All right, well, that, that really, whether he lied to you or not, doesn't really matter. Oh, why, would that, why not? Because... Uh, we have a statement from Frank. Okay, the statement. Frank gave a statement. Frank gave a statement that, uh, that he, he was told that if he cooperated and he did what they told him to do and say everything that they told him to say, that he'd be let he'd be let to go home. So Frank said he agreed to every single thing that they said that he did. That he did okay. this, he did this, he did this, he did this. Understood. And then when he was in the sheriff's department and he said to the sheriff, you know, uh, Michael Rowan, everything, Fine, you know, you're just going to give me counseling and you're going to let me go home. I got to winterize the farm. Well, the pipes are going to freeze. I really got to go home. Fine, you know, yeah, you know, did I do everything you wanted me to do? You said you let me go home and, uh, I, I, you know, I'm free to leave. I could go. What do you think Michael did when he said after Frank confessed? Right. I've got both. I've seen both of his statements. I've got no, no, no. I'm saying after after Frank con, uh, confessed to whatever 10, 20, 30, 100 of these heinous acts. You think they let him go home? Right. But that, but you, did, they let, did they let him go home? Right. Did they? Uh, I don't. I believe he was arrested. No, he was. He went home. Okay. Okay. So he went home, and he went home where my daughter was. They knew Frank had a gun, and they still let him go home. So obviously they didn't think perceive him to be that big of a threat. Well, I don't think your daughter was there at the time. He was. She was already in. Uh, foster care at the time. No, she wasn't, sir. She was not. Okay. No, he, she was helping Frank load up the computers into, into the vehicles, into his okay. vehicle to bring it to the police department. All right. Okay, she was not in custody. Okay, the police were investigating Frank for three weeks. Okay. Okay, and Frank was never taken into, uh, uh, the children weren't taken into custody, and Frank didn't have an order not to turn up to this house. He just didn't come back because my mom said, you know, can you just stay away until the investigation? Okay, so like I said, bottom line, the police officer said he has the pictures, he's got the proof. Okay? So the, 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 that only is related to two, two charges of child pornography. 
uh, and Frank admitted that he took the pictures. Now, if they can't prove that the pictures are pornographic because they don't have them, then those two charges are going to go away. So, if but that doesn't that doesn't negate the other all the other charges that Frank admitted to about touching the touching the girl. I didn't say anything about whether he touched the girl or not. I didn't say that to you. I mentioned something about child pornography pictures. Right, and I'm telling you this as I told Frank. If they don't have the pictures, the charges are either going to beat them or they're going to drop them. Okay, were you aware that my child uh, commit, uh, attempted to commit suicide on Friday and she's now in a mental institution? I was not. Okay, well, see, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm trying to explain to you people. You people don't seem to see what's going on, the dynamics that is going on here. You're dealing with a girl who's going to be now considered certifiably crazy. Because she's okay. Okay. That's he said, she said words. And if the police department just asked the parents, you know, does this, this child have a propensity to lie? We would say, absolutely. She does some very interesting, she has some very interesting uh, mental behavior quirks. Okay. Okay, so now how's Michael Rowan going to put on his, uh, as his, uh, you know, cross-examine the only person that's accusing him of doing anything wrong is a mental patient and an infant. It's a mental patient and an infant who gave a statement that is consistent with the statement that Frank gave. Frank gave the statement and Frank wishes to withdraw his statement. He doesn't wish to have... He can withdraw his statement all he wants, but the fact is they're going to use it against him. Okay, one, if, if, if the statement was given voluntarily, uh-huh. why can't he withdraw it voluntarily? That's not the way it works. I mean, he made a statement. It's evidence against him. So he can now he can now testify that I lied when I gave that statement, or I only said it because I thought, you know, that's what Rowan wanted to hear. Or he can explain the statement, but they're still going to use it. So, so he's so he's not going to be able to rely on the Fifth Amendment and say that he doesn't have uh, um, the ability to not testify against himself. They're going to use his testimony against him. That's not testimony. Testimony is when you give it under oath. He doesn't have to testify against himself under oath. That's a statement he gave during the course of an investigation. Okay, so it was a statement that he gave, and he said that, and Frank knows the definition of pornography. I just told you the pornography charges are part of, if you don't have the pictures, they're probably going to go away. That's the least of his problems. Okay, so when, what... It's all the counts of aggravated sexual battery that are his problem. Okay, so when an aggravated sexual battery, is there a third-party impartial witness that the prosecutor is going to bring forth? The witness they're going to bring forth is the young lady that said everything that happened, and the other evidence is going to be the statement that Frank made uh, to Officer Rowan. Okay. That's going to be the whole case. And are they going to um, have any kind of form of damages? Because no action could rise without damages. Is there any damages? Is there anybody coming forth and claiming that there's damages? What do you mean damages? The law, this isn't a civil suit. This is a criminal suit. That's right. It's against the law to touch a child uh, the way Frank allegedly did. Okay. Who's under the age of 13. Is, is it a public law? It is a yeah, it's a public law. Okay, where did this where did this alleged uh, incident occur? Well, what's your point? My I'm Frank's attorney. I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to be uh, grilled and, and uh, listen to your questions. I, I'm not obligated to answer your question. What's the point? I returned your call and I'm asking you what is the point of your call? The point is that Frank wants me to put paperwork in his behalf for the court. He wants to what? He wants me to file motions on his behalf, or at least put notices into the court on his behalf. Well, you don't do it. I, I'm his attorney. I do stuff in the criminal case on his behalf. I don't know what you're doing on the civil side or anything else that you've got personal against Roan. That's none of my concern. That's my concern is to defend Frank in this criminal proceeding, in this very serious criminal proceeding. That's right. And what I'm asking is some very simple, common uh, criminal procedure that you would try to take into court, and you just try to say, is there a third-party impartial witness to verify this he-said-she-said testimony other than Frank's statement? No. 
So, Frank, to my knowledge, there isn't. And, and at this point, I'm done talking to you because I don't have to talk to you. I'm Frank's attorney, okay? Frank, I, don't, I don't appreciate your attitude or your tone. Frank wants to file a lawsuit for theft of services on your behalf. He wants to go after you civilly. Good. He can do that. I'll give him back his money if he wants to get another attorney. I'll talk to Frank about that, but I don't have to talk to you about that. Because all we I have nothing to you, sir. Okay, what I'm trying to And I don't like your attitude or your tone. I don't have an attitude and I don't have... Yeah, you do. All we... And I don't like it. And I'm not obligated to talk to you anymore. And if any Frank isn't concerned, he can talk to me directly. Understood? All right, well, he could take... Understood? Yeah, I got to record. Okay, you're understood. On, you're, on you radio. Radio. you're on a radio show. Thank you for your call. You're on a radio show. Ah. Got him. and we are not available to take your call. If you'll please leave your name, phone number, and a brief message, we will be sure to get back to you. Thank you. Before you hung up on me, sir, I was trying to tell you, I, you called me up while I was doing a live law radio international broadcast. I was trying to explain to you that you're on the radio and that you're live and you're on the air. That's what I was trying to explain to you. And uh, you better believe... Um, so, um, uh, it was an interesting conversation, and um, I'm sure the people who listen to my show uh, are really going to say, wow, this is interesting. When I was just trying to help Frank, uh, who allegedly raped my daughter, abused my daughter, sexual aggravation to my daughter, and I'm actually trying to help a man that I barely know. And uh, I have no duty and obligation to help Frank. My duty and obligation is to my daughter. Frank's just a man my mom married. He has nothing to me. He means nothing to me. My daughter means everything to me. And I'm trying to show that he's an innocent man until I can find proof of his guilt. Now, you're supposed to be his lawyer. And I hope you understand that you just exploded like this on a radio show. That's what I was trying to tell you. Have a nice day. I'm sure some listeners will uh, be glad to uh, ask you some questions. Have a nice day. If you want to come on my show and explain what the outburst was about, feel free to call me back. And I'll put you live on here.
Were you able to hear that? Was anybody able to hear that? I unmuted everybody, man. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> oh, man, did you hear me? Call him back <laughs> and tell him, hey, man, you're on an international law radio show. <laughs> Holy crap. I can't wait for him to listen to that message. <laughs> did you hear me say, well, you're more than free to call me back and explain to the audience what that little uh, outburst was about? <laughs> oh, his name is Dana. Um, uh, yeah, you get, why didn't you guys call him up, man? And say, yeah, I just heard you on the radio. <laughs> Leave a message on his answer machine. That'd be funny. Let me see what his uh, phone number is here. Uh, let me just let me just type in his name. It'll pop up. Yeah, why don't you guys all call? It's just for shits and giggles. Say, I'm calling from the UK. I'm calling from New Zealand. I'm calling from uh, Sri Lanka. Hey, Vita to call him and say, I'm calling from Lisbon, Portugal. <laughs> say some Portuguese shit to him. And say, did you did, did I just hear you have an outburst on the phone? You know, you know, trying to help Frank Russo, and you know, so that's too funny. Oh, here's his name. His name. His name is Dana Cormier. C O R M I E R. Dana Cormier. Five four zero eight eight six thirty six hundred. So yeah, why don't you guys start calling him up for shits and giggles? That should be a good. That should be a good laugh. And uh. Oh, yeah, you guys get, do you know you guys know how to do what I do? I'll unmute you. Call up talk you and get it says, well, you're unmuted. And then call a the guy up and add him onto the call. And that'd be fun. Do that. <laughs> that'd be funny. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Call up, call, call up. First you got to do is you got to call up talk you. You got to get it where it says you're unmuted. And then add him onto the call. And then just merge the two calls. And uh, let me hear you guys leave a message for him. <laughs> so it's very unprofessional, uh, unethical. Uh, uh, right there, I told you what his name is. It's uh, Dana, like like the machine, you know, like a Dana rear end, you know, like a Dana. A Dana, you know. His name is Cormier. Why don't you guys call him off the shits and giggles? Because <laughs> I'm guaranteed he's not going to pick up the damn phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, but make sure you call Talk you now for us, guest three. Call up now. Make sure you're unmuted. And um, and then call him up so we can hear the message you're leaving him. And if you do a foreign accent if you want to. <laughs> yes, you know, I'm calling, I'm calling from, uh, I call it from Japan, and I heard the show, and uh, very outrageous. Outrageous. <laughs> unmute me. I did unmute me. I muted everybody. You just got, just got to dial in. Let's retail. I hear him trying to say something right now. So that's too funny. <laughs> so that's great that I got it recorded that he give Frank his money back because <clears throat> that's what we want to do. We want to get Frank his money back, and then I want to put the paperwork in on his behalf. Now, I'm not going to put paper. I'm going to put a special appearance in on Frank's behalf at the criminal side because, obviously, I do not know the criminal fucking code proceedings of Virginia, and I'm not going to bother studying them. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to put a special appearance just going after jurisdiction. That's it. And then I'm going to make a, uh, a claim that the police officer lied under oath and, uh, you know, said that he was pictures and uh, proof. And then uh, he actually had the hard proof and issued warrants out for Frank's arrest. Even one lie is enough. It doesn't have to, I don't care about all the other charges. I don't give a damn. 
Did he lie about one thing? Did he say that about pictures of proof? Yes. Did he convince a magistrate or, or on-duty judge, on-duty officer to issue a warrant? Yes. That's all I care about. It doesn't matter if there's 10,000 other issues, warrants issued. He lied about one. He lied about them all. The good thing that uh, happened on that call was that um, he got shook up. He uh, he said he'd give the money back, and he may withdraw, which works in, in uh, your favor. Because then he's yeah, not in the way of uh, blocking uh, paperwork being being put in. Yeah, like it doesn't matter what he does. What I'm saying, is Frank needs to get his damn money back. That's fifteen grand. And the guy hasn't done a damn thing. And you can tell the guy has no desire whatsoever to try to defend Frank. Because I tried to say to him, why don't we go this approach? Why don't we go for the third-party impartial witness? Why don't we go for the uh, hearsay, he said, she said, testimony evidence? Why don't we go for that she's an infant minor child who's now in a mental institution? You know, why don't we make a claim, is there any damages? If there's no damages, where could the action rise without damages? Is there any bruises on her? Was she raped? Was she actually, was there any physical damage on it? Did it happen in the public? Did it happen in the private? That's what I was going next. Did it happen in the public? And he's like, well, you know, then he started going nuts because he knows there's no public law that Frank violated. Because for Frank to be in violation of public law, it must mm. it happened, the crime must have happened in the public. When it happened in the private, he knows there's no fucking standing that the, the state has. Then it's man on man in the private. That's the same thing that fucking that guy in England did when he brought the other guy who headbutted his neighbor in his front yard. Even though it was in public view and he headbutted his neighbor, knocked his neighbor out, he was able to convince the Crown that the, 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 the Crown had no standing, the government had no standing because it happened on private land. Now, yes, there's public laws that you can't headbutt somebody and knock them out in the street, but you can't make a law that I can't headbutt my neighbor on my front lawn if I want to. I can headbutt them all I fucking want because it's in the private. Private laws are private laws, public laws are public laws, and they can't cross the threshold, they can't cross into the other jurisdiction. They can't do it. So that's what I was going to say to the attorney guy. Let's make a fucking claim that it happened in the private, not in the fucking public. The government has no standing. The dad and the daughter had standing in a civil action against the Russos, and that's it. That's all the action that could arise. And he knew exactly where I was fucking going. So did anybody call him up or not? (laughs) Did anybody call this guy yet? I can call him right now. I'm ready to go. I can sound like from a foreign land. Hello. You got awfully angry on the phone. Go ahead. Can you merge? Well, the thing is, you gotta you gotta block your caller ID if you're gonna do it from a foreign land. Oh no, don't. It's a it's an office phone. It's not his cell phone. It just rings at a desk. Don't worry about blocking call ID. I don't care. He's anyway, so using Magic Jack, or he's calling through Skype. They pick up the U.S. phone numbers. All right. Yeah, that's a different story. Yeah. That's All right. So just call up this guy. Leave it. Leave us on. Just merge. Just add another call. And call up this guy so we get a good laugh. Any any one particular question you want me to ask? Because I can probably only remember. That was a that was rather outrageous outburst I just heard on my radio. You know, you know, (laughs) I I was you know I was having a lovely. I had children listening. I had children listening. I had children listening, and I was having a lovely tea at the time. And you know, I'm quite you know my constitution is quite disturbed now. (laughs) (laughs) You you unbalanced my constitution, dear sir. <laughs> Can you please try to refrain from such outbursts of anger? <laughs> oh dear, I don't know. No, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'll I'll give it a go. Why not? Some other guy called and left a message. Asked him to call him. All right, let's have a look. 
Alrighty. I'm listening. Let's have a look. How do I merge this stuff? I think it's merging already. I can't hear any ringing. It says F call and merge, yeah. And what's his name again? Uh, Dana. Dana? That's Dana, yeah. Like a girl's name, Dana. <laughs> oh, sorry. Can you hear it? Yeah, yeah I hear it. Cool. Alright, be quiet. Voicemail. You've reached the law office of Dana R. Cormier, and we are not available to take your call. If you'll please leave your name, phone number, and a brief message, we will be sure to get back to you. Thank you. Hi, Dana. Uh, it's Anthony here. I'm just calling from the uh, the UK. I was just listening to get to to radio show with my my little son, who's interested in studying law, and and I heard quite an outburst, which uh, unfortunately I had to cover my son's ears while he was listening to it. So I just wanted to let you know that it seemed a bit unprofessional that the way that you're acting um, to to a very uh, noble and kind law educator such as Carl Lentz, and uh, just just wanted to make you aware that I'm not very happy and not very pleased. Um, maybe you could phone back Carl and speak to him in a bit more courteous manner and uh, open a dialogue with him so that obviously you don't come into confrontation in the future. Much love. See you later. <laughs> yeah, that's too funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, see if you thought you should call him up and speak to him in Portuguese. puta. <laughs> 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 So my, so my 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 English not too good, um, but I study law and listen to radio, and my English not too good. But uh, how do you say? Uh, you know, to say some Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, but if we're calling from all over the nation and nobody calling from the USA, then that kind of defeats the purpose. Oh, if I just called up an international radio law show. <clears throat> you see what I'm saying? So why don't you just call them up and, and just uh, just uh, leave a funny message, man. All right, I'll, I'll do that in a second. Uh, this uh, aggravated sexual battery—that's that's something new. That's funny. Yeah, you mentioned like that. that. Oh, call him up and say to him. Oh, sexual battery. Somebody's trying to call me from some country, man. Hey, who's this? Hey, who? Hang on a second, hang on a second, hang on a second. Yeah, my phone's almost dead. Who's this? Uh, I was trying to call you at Syria. Oh, yeah, right, right. I was trying to get you on a, a talk show thing. Hey, uh, call up talk show. Can you call up talk Um, That's fine, uh, but uh, are we talking in this private phone? Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying can you call up talk show right now? Yeah, but it's, it's okay. Uh, since we're since we're working on this right now, um, like I said, I got a, I got a lot of people looking at me because of what we're doing with the thing. I say, uh, just refer myself to Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, just go ahead because okay. there's a guy on the show. His name is uh, Vital, and I I guarantee he's very interested in what you got to say. I don't know if you ever heard of Vital. Vital. Um, no. As soon as you start talking, this guy, I'll talk to you for hours. 
You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I'll, I'll get him on. I'll get him on a show too. How's that? He's even better than Gus. He's even better than Gus when it comes to the, what you we need to talk about. Because Vital, the Vital, no, Vital's got like some sort of Skype group and everything else going on too. Vital's got all kinds of uh, 1776 projects. He's got all kinds of shit going on. <laughs> okay. Um, I got Vital. I got Vital on the phone right now. On the other phone. How long? Um, the things right now, I'm not, I'm not connected to, uh, I'm calling you directly, it's just like two hours a minute. Holy um, shit. I, I'm trying to, the, uh, the, the power went out here, so there is no Wi-Fi. Um, um, then I guess, how long is the Well, I guess, if it, it's two dollars a minute, man, to talk to me, you know, that's, that's crazy. I mean, there's no way you could talk to me through Skype or anything like that, or call up that show, or? Oh, what happened is, oh, here's the fires went out. So that's the issue, right? Um, All right. Well, then uh, I guess just call me when it doesn't cost you two dollars a minute. <laughs> um, is, is there a way? Uh, what time? Is, what time are you guys going to show until? I'm doing it right now. I'm, I was going to just hang up right now. I was going to shut the show down now. But like I said, if you want to talk, man, like I said, it's one o'clock in the afternoon here. I got a lot to do. But if you want to, if you wanted to talk, man, that's fine. Right. I mean, I'll give you the phone number for it, and you can talk to Vital until you, you know, but it's $2 a minute, man. That's expensive. I don't think Vital's worth it. He's not worth $2 a minute, trust me. Yeah. 17 cents and 76. What's that? I'm sorry? No, Vital is something about 17.76. Yeah, yeah. 17.76 cents a minute. That's what I'm worth.
Yeah, I had to. Uh, I seen one of my dogs uh, run past my mom's uh, porch, so I had to go make sure the dogs weren't running out. So they weren't. We just the one dog figured out how to get out. So I just had to run to make sure the other dog was still running around. We should so barely one, hear you if you're talking to us. Yeah, the guy was calling up. He was from Portugal. Uh, not Portugal. Uh, Colombia. You know, he didn't. No, he didn't have the misfortune to be in Portugal. He was in. <laughs> so he has. Uh, if you, so, so you got a bad mouth, Portugal, but you can't even keep your dogs in the, in a fenced area. Yeah. Every day, these dogs are getting out. What the hell's going on? Yeah, that's right. They heard that I was going to ship them off to Portugal if they weren't good. They're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so they try to run away so they don't get sent to Portugal? Or they yeah, they're going to get a head start to get there? No, they're going to the dog pound and trying to get euthanized. <laughs> they didn't have a Portugal. They have, Portugal. They have the dog whisperer. They have the dog any, whisperer. You're going to be the dog uh, uh, chaser. Yeah, any time uh, anytime the dogs do better, so that's it. I'm going to ship you off to Portugal. It's Lisbon for you. One-way ticket, pal. One-way ticket. I hear they like you. Uh, <laughs> they, well, you can send them a two-way ticket. They won't use the other part because they never want to come back. Yeah. I'll tell them so, listen. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell them I, I, I had some uh, Portuguese uh, food down there, and it was all dog. It was what? It was all dog. I'll t- I told the puppies, it's all dog they serve over there. I had some Portuguese food in Boston. Man. It's all dog. <laughs> You're confusing uh, Vietnam with Portugal. That's a long way away. Oh, 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 okay. No, I thought the Portuguese uh, shipped that uh, dog uh, all over the world, you know, the Philippines. Well, you guys eat dog over here, too? Yeah. And we'll them anyway. Yeah, else. You eat uh, hot dogs all over the place. I know. We tried to ban the Portuguese, but they get in here anyway, so we try. We were here way before anybody else other than the Indians. Yeah, well, that's that's that's, that's what the Vikings said. 1400s. We're early 1400s. Vikings were here way before that. The white people. You know, Who? The white people. The Vikings. White. Actually, yeah, they know. just found uh, something up in um, <coughs> up north somewhere. I forget if it was Nova. Uh, I don't think it was Nova Scotia. It was in that area. <coughs> they just found. Uh, they just found uh, uh, plenty of evidence that they were there around the eight eight hundreds, nine hundreds, or whatever. Oh yeah. But the it. problem is, uh, you know, they it it didn't stick. So it took the Portuguese coming to refine it. Yeah, like I said, what probably happened is either some sort of like a mini ice age or a global warming or something, and in front of the land masses were a lot closer together to at that point in time. You know, like England yeah, used to be, be part of Europe. Like England used to be part of Europe before the ice age. Yeah, know, they say that world. Africa and the Americas kind of split as uh, the the. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I mean, whether it's like an actual land that they could actually travel across, you know, they didn't actually have to, you know, actually have to, uh, you know. Go yeah, that's a possibility. A I mean, volca- volcanoes happen, all kinds of stuff, and stuff gets split up. <laughs> all right. So yeah, listen, uh, uh, on, on a serious note, um, that guy, Stephen, I sent you a text message. I don't know if you got it. He's on the way up to uh, the truck stop. What truck stop? Which one? Berkey's. I don't go to Berkey's, man. I live uh, 30 miles in the other direction now. I live in uh, all right. the other maybe truck I, Maybe I sent them too far up. Yeah, yeah, you got to send no and further north. He's got to go another. Uh, if he's coming from the south, that's good because he's got to come another thirty-five. Well, miles. yeah, yeah, he's coming from the south, so he'll he'll. Uh, he's coming from down Salem. Right, he's got to get off at exit two two two. 
<laughs> yeah, I told him that, but I, I didn't. I hadn't talked to you, so I just told him to go to uh, Berkey's and, and wait there. He's got a, a truck, so that's a good place to stop. And then he can, whenever you're ready, he can go and meet you wherever. All right. Yeah, there's another truck stop up here that he can stop at. That's closer. All right. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'll tell him that he said he'd be there about one thirty. So I'll I'll tell him that and uh, have him head further up. Yeah. So you wanna maybe meet at the Golden Corral or somewhere? What's that? Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, my cell phone's almost dead, so I gotta run up to uh, Verizon Wireless, and uh, I've got to get um my cell phone on. Um, uh, I gotta get What's a, going on with the cell phone? The, the batteries it dies like in ten minutes. Like I can never hold a day of charge. That's why I've been in my mom's oh, yeah, house. Oh so yeah, you need a new battery. Yeah, been, no, uh, they don't sell batteries. My phone goes it's too cheap. I do it the oh. battery plus. They don't sell it. I want the Walmart. They don't sell it. it, it the phone's like a hundred dollar phone. So they're like, we don't, you know, why do you buy a whole new phone instead of selling it's a thirty dollar battery? So that's what oh, I yeah, you're better off getting a phone. Yeah, so that's what they say. You know, so it's bullshit. But you know they still should just sell you a damn battery for ten bucks. You know, call it a day. But no, they're not gonna do that. So anyway, uh, yeah, we got like seven percent left on the cell phone, so obviously it's gonna die. But uh, that's why I was stuck in my mom's house today making all these phone calls. Well, can you plug that, it in the? Can you plug it in the the car charger? Yeah, yeah, but that, then I mean I have to stay in my car all day. You know, you know I gotta be tethered. No, no, I'm saying for now, right now, so that you know the well, battery don't die. Yeah, I'm at a back hole, so I got a. I went on an auction site and I got a, uh, like one of those Bullflex machines, man. A what? A Bullflex, an exercise machine. Something that costs like 2500 bucks. So uh, I bought a. I got one of those auction. here I got for free. Yeah, I got a mine for $17.50. Well, see, I didn't have to uh, wait until some little old lady wasn't home to break into our house like you did. I mean, I had that you know, face up. <laughs> no, uh,. I got this for free. I, I actually got it for, and I gave it to uh, Richard, and then he had it over there for a while. He was using it as a clothes hanger. <laughs> so he said, hey, uh, you know, you can come and pick it up, take it back. I'm not using it. So yeah. it's sitting in my barn. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, man, I just got mine real cheap at, uh, up in Washington, D.C. area. Yeah, this Please. one I got in a house that we went to winterize after they foreclosed a few years back. Right. And there was a whole basement room that they they didn't clean out. Like they cleaned out the whole house, but there's uh, uh, they thought it was just uh, uh, access, uh, or probably they didn't even notice it. Yeah. And when I went yeah. in there to uh, to uh, work on the piping, you know, there's now, all I know, kinds of now, stuff now, 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 now I know you're bullshitting because you said the word work and beat down with the same breath. Working? I worked. I worked since I was 11 yeah. years old, full time. Yeah, that's what I said. And I even know you're bullshitting when I was in high school, you said you're working. Even when I was in high school, I was wor- working full-time, eight hours in a foam factory in Somerville, Massachusetts, Rogers Foam. You mean you were supervising? And played soccer. You were, you, 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 were, you were busy supervising. Oh, yeah. Who was working the most when we were down there working? Uh, Lewis. <laughs> Frankie? No, you? your brother. No, your brother, you're Lewis. Sitting on the You're sitting on the, on the backhoe. Yeah, that's that's that that did ninety nine percent of the work. Yeah, while everybody was sitting there watching me use tobacco. Yeah, yeah, right. I I wasn't watching. I was working. 
Oh, is that what that was called? That's a Portuguese. You know, a, you know. How about how about credit? How about credit where credit is due? Huh? <laughs> we don't call that. How about taking your own English. advice? In English, we don't we don't call that working in English. Yeah, we call I, it, I can't talk, I can't say that word on the radio. You know, I'm live on the air. It might be children who have delicate. Yeah, yeah, right. Children, uh, children with delicate constitutions might be listening. You don't, you don't mind, you don't mind, children. Last night when you were swearing up a storm, and my daughter came here to say good night, and my wife had to cut cover her ears. Yeah, like I said, every other word children, was the F word. Children with delicate constitutions might be listening. Carl, can I just give you a bit of help with your battery and your phone? Have you not yeah, looked about? for maybe a U? Have you got? Are you sitting at your computer and you got a USB port? No, I'm sitting on a backhoe right now. I was just saying, why don't you get like a USB charger for your laptop or something, so you can plug your phone into your you know, USB into your computer, and your computer can pump your phone up while you're on it. It must be a USB. Yeah, yeah, he knows all that. He knows all that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all that. But what I'm saying is, if the battery, I'm sure the sheer this this phone is only a hundred dollar phone. So it's not, it wasn't designed to go through the abuse that I put it through. The sheer, <laughs> yeah. the sheer volume of talking I do every day. This phone wasn't, I guarantee it wasn't designed for that. It's like, like, it's like an emergency kind of phone. It really probably wasn't designed to do what I'm asking it to do with day in and day out. Yeah. You know, so the battery is being abused big time. You know, like my other phone, I had four or five backup batteries, you know, so. I bought a whole shitload of them on the internet through eBay, and uh, I'd go through batteries like crazy. It's just like I said, the sheer volume of use I use these phones for. That's incredible what I use these things for. So, hey, what's going on with that building? <laughs> uh, the county, uh, the lady from the city called me up and she said that um, uh, she said you have uh, insurance. I said I could get it, ma'am. I've had contractors' insurance in the past. So I'll get it again if I have to. I said it's not a big deal. And she said, make sure you uh, insure the city of Harrisonburg as well. I said, you want me to put you on my insurance policy? She said, yeah. I said, really? So in case your employees are on the building that I bought and they get hurt, uh, <laughs> my insurance company can compensate you folks? Is it city property? Yeah, city property. Oh, Okay, and that's what I said. I said you want me to, you want me to put city employees on the, and if you folks get hurt on, on the property, you want to make a claim against my insurance company. Like if your employees slip on some water and say, "Oops, I hurt my back," they want to make a claim against me. I said, if it's my building, you know, this somebody who works for the city there. You know, there shouldn't be anybody who who works in the city on on that building site. You, you know, you guys. Well, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna require a demolition permit and inspectors coming by and all that crap. No, it's the city, so the city's not gonna ask for all that. The city just wants insurance. Then they, they, they she didn't say you need permits, and she didn't say any inspectors. She didn't say anything about that. Well, if you, you know. get a liability a liability policy, you probably just gotta send them a binder with their name on it. Yeah, she said, just give it to the insurance company. She said, the insurance company will know what we yep. want. I said, okay, fine. Yeah, I used to do that when I work doing jobs for the city of Somerville. Again, with this yeah. word work and be telling the same crap. <laughs> and that's yeah, why I said the word. Fucking my head. <laughs> fucking with my mind now. I'm trying to visualize that. 
I don't see it. I don't see yeah, it. It's hard, it's hard for a man that doesn't work to visualize a man that works a lot. Yeah, no, what I call work, what you call work, must be a loss in the translation. Exactly. Man. Sitting on a backhoe is not work. That's a different style in Portuguese. Chasing dogs all day is not work. I guess there's a difference in, in, in uh, our vocabulary here. I guess we're having a, a language barrier. Yeah, he talks a lot Portuguese, he talks a lot English. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I said, man, what a, like I said, nobody, obviously nobody at that, uh, they were probably warned, man, from social service people, man, don't give this guy a fucking order. Don't tell this guy to do a fucking thing. You know, I guarantee they're told, man, don't order this guy. But see, my mom was going to do it the old 60s hippies way. She said, I'm going to go there every day and show them I care about that kid. And, you know, they us like, yeah, mom, you're going to do like a fucking uh, a sit-in or whatever the fuck, you know, uh, the, you know, whatever happened in the Middle East a couple of years ago. Yeah, you're going to do one of those protests, huh? You're going to be, you know, you're going to be standing up there, and, you know, showing solidarity for the kid. Yeah, uh-huh. I said, you're going to look a hunger strike. Hunger strike. Yeah. Uh, what are what, what those sit-ins all over the world? Yeah, oh, sit-ins. Yeah, that's what they call it, sit-ins. Protest. Oh, there goes Carl. Hey, Jeremy, what's going on, man? I was just brushing my teeth, man. What? Brushing your teeth? Yeah, I just kind of got up. You can't do that on the call. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're not using fluoride. Yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the, the 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 chemical that blocks the uh, what is it the the pineal the gland thing. pineal gland here. Yeah. 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 Where you at? Dallas. Oh, oh, yeah, the guy down in. You changed your name? No. Same name. You changed your name on uh, Skype? I mean, on uh, talk show? Uh, no. It's Jeremy Common Law. Oh, it says Jeremy Common Law. I, I didn't remember that, the common law part. Yeah, yeah. I, I just got through trying to call um, that guy Carl was talking about, the lawyers last night. Um, Harlan Mitchell. Yeah, what happened? He's at lunch right now. Did you leave a message on voicemail? No, nah, they tried to tell me um, that they're going to just do a consultation, that, that to try to get a consultation over the phone. But I told them, hey, look, I got a lot of priors, and you know, I got DUI, and I'm trying to... Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about calling uh, the attorney that Kyle just called a while ago. Oh, no, no, not that one. That was, I'm talking about the one from last night to just, you know, he was you know, do, to do something on the, you know, what to contribute something to this because, you know, he says he wants somebody to just call and see if they believe, you know, um, believe him, you know what I'm saying? So I was, I recorded him, but, you know, I called in, the, the receptionist was all, he's out to, you know, he, he's not taking consultations, so I kind of made it urgent to where he would, you know, maybe take my call, and then she went and tried to get him, and then he was out on lunch, so I'm going to call him back here in a minute, I'm going to record it. You remember the attorney that he was talking about last night? <clears throat> no, I don't remember that part. Yeah, it was the attorney that uh, he had first hired uh, for his case, and um, for which case? Uh, that the one, the one in Alabama, I think, for Cole. When Cole was taken. 
Oh, you're talking about the the one that was a uh, cop. Uh, Harlan. Yeah, the, the Har- yeah, Harlan uh, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, Harlan Mitchell. Okay. Yeah, I just tried to call him just to uh, record him, and I was going to put it on talk shoe because Carl said to. So. <laughs> Uh, G3, uh, who is Dana in the chat? Oh, yeah, huh? Is it Dana there? I wonder who that is. Hey, Dana, who are you? Dana underscore. Hmm. I wonder if that's Dana Cormier, or however you pronounce it. French. So anyway, that's uh, uh, all right. That's that's good. It's practice. I just called that attorney up, and he. I was trying to give him like a. A story where I got a DWI, DUI, I got priors, and you know, be a lot of money to take the case. And I was going to tell him that, uh, and you have like that place in Birmingham, like Homewood area. Yeah, well, it's practice anyway. I mean, there's probably not too much to trouble that guy for, he's not doing anything. Nah, and uh, and back then it wasn't his fault. You know, he had uh, sense enough to just walk away. And that's probably yeah. what's going to happen with this guy. Oh, Dana said Webbit and Carr. Oh, yeah, I, I, I saw him write that earlier. I didn't even realize it was Dana that wrote it. All right, Witch Hunting. <clears throat> bitch hunting. <laughs> uh, well, then, are you wearing a mask too? That sounds like Jeffrey, or one of his one of his partners. Anyway, well, I gotta go. I don't know if Carl's gonna come back or not. I got uh, a lot of crap to do. I'll possibly make a call to uh, Dana later. We'll see how it goes. I mean, that's no way for him to uh, to treat a family, a concerned family member that is calling to find out what's going on with his family member, and uh, you know he's being irate and and telling him that you know he doesn't have to talk to him and all that stuff. If a family member calls, you know he should at least be polite and uh, try to answer the questions. And uh, Carl was raising valid points. I mean, there's, uh, there's, uh, he mentioned something that I hadn't heard before, uh, aggravated sexual battery. Um, that was never talked about before, as far as I know. I'd like to see what evidence they have of that. Or if it's even charged somewhere. Definitely uh, something's going on here. And that, you know, imagine, you know, people that get charged with this stuff, the 
the hassle they go through. It's it's life changing. And nobody got killed. You know, people go to jail a lot longer for this kind of crap than they do for murdering somebody. Hey, all right, I'm gonna step off the phone. I got some phone calls tonight and stuff. You know, it's already one thirty. I got the, some trucker that wants to meet up with Carl, so I gotta go help with that together. I'll be on on the computer, but I'm not going to be on the phone. All right, take care.
good afternoon to everyone who's on the call. Does anybody know what's going on? It's uh, showing a live call. Uh, anyone have any expectations that Carl's going to appear or already appeared?
good dog. Be good. Good girl. Big Carl's German in Dallas. Yeah, it seems like it. Well, I talked for four hours ago. Yeah, I've been listening to it all night. What's that? I was listening to your talk show all night. Yeah, yeah, I was doing that talk show for hours, man. Yeah, it was a big one. It was a big one. I, I woke up and... uh. I just talked to Vital a while ago, right before you, your phone died. I tried to call Harlan Mitchell uh, just to get him on recording, so I can put it on the talk show. I'm gonna call him back. He's at he's at lunch right now. I'm gonna call well, him back fun. in an hour just to verify your story. Yet. Yeah, like I said, uh, talk show's at the four hour mark, so you ain't got that much longer to go. You know, it's four hours, oh. fifteen minutes. You know, so if you call him up in the next half hour, that'd be yeah. funny if you just start asking him questions like that. Yeah, I had a little script I was going to pull on. I was just going to act like I was, you know, got put over for DUI visiting an ex-college buddy or something. And, uh, yeah. you know, I got priors. And they tried to put me off to the consultation. The ladies trying to tell me, well, we, you know, we'll, we, he don't take phone calls. I was like, well, this is a big matter. And, you know, I got, you know, I got a lot of priors. And <laughs> I was just trying to uh, get get on, get him on the phone. She put me on hold. And I guess she went and talked to him. He said, you know, I guess he was at lunch. I'll take the word for it. So, yeah, we'll call it back. Yeah. Yeah, so I got cash. So you told him I got cash. Yeah, I did. I told him I got a lot of money. Yeah. I know, got a lot. I know, I know what they like. Yeah. They used to say, uh, oh, Tony, had a, he helped you in a criminal matter a few years back. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't answer this thing. Yeah, we're trying to answer this thing. You cut now, Carl.
Hey, Cheyenne, you there? Hi, is anyone on the call? Hello, is anyone on the call? Yeah, uh, Carl's on as a guest, and this is German. I just, I really just hate that air. Hi, how are you doing today? Not so bad. How about yourself? Oh, it's a, a very nice day today. That it is. Nice and sunny. I just I just really hate Ted here. I know this is Carl's call. It's being recorded. Um <clears throat> Vital, why don't you come on? Somebody talk about something.
get Carter. Why don't you come on? Or I'm going to start talking about vegetables and herbs. Talk about something instead of dead air. Oh, oh, I just found out about this yesterday. 7-Eleven is now taking, it's up to $1,000. They are taking, if you owe IRS, they are taking, you can pay at 7-Eleven stores. Can you believe that? Anyone? Am I talking to myself? And what else did I... I would like to have a comment on that, please. And Wells Fargo paid $1.2 billion to Congress last year or this year. I don't know what year. This year or, the, or last year. But I'm just floored by how 7-Eleven stores, if you owe the IRS, you can pay at 7-Eleven stores. Hi, Angela. Did you miss Go ahead. Cheyenne, is a, sorry. You, you sounded like you needed some company. Yeah, I do. I, why, do you wanna, why do you want to talk about 7-Eleven? Are you, are you, uh, are you their uh, marketing spokesperson? Recorded no, I, I, live. I, I just found out about this yesterday that 7-Eleven is taking, if you owe, if you owe IRS up to $1,000. I've not, you I've can, not met you IRS. Can pay, Who's he? Uh, actually, she's got a good point, but she just doesn't know it. Very valuable information if you want, want to go into it. But what what they've done is like when when... when when these you hear these commercials for these tax debt helpers, the lawyers, attorneys that are a weapon for the IRS, you know they stand between you and IRS. What they're doing is it's it's like a psychological, uh, I don't know what it, what it, how to describe it, but it's like a subliminal Stockholm syndrome, where it convinces you that you do owe somebody, and they make it easier for you. It's like if you're stressed out, you're fearful. It's like you know what? Yeah, I'll I'll choose this avenue. I, I, I think I owe. I'm not sure. No one's proven it to me, but I'll just do it at the 7-Eleven. They make it convenient for you to be a slave. Convenient to pay your bills. Yeah, it's all mind control programming. Like if I if I told you everybody on this call that you freaking owed me a debt without proving it, and I said, hey, I set up a station over here, you know, to you just swing by there and pay your bill. I mean, how many people could you catch in that that dragnet? 
even if it wasn't the, you probably saw for a fluffy toy or free a free gizmo what's that you, you would need to offer them some sort of incentive like a fluffy toy or a fear of being locked up in prison for a long period of time yeah you, you take the it's, it's helped to take the some of the fear away and they have lawyers to run to be gatekeepers for them they'll put their commercials on our do you owe the IRS ten thousand yeah. dollars we we help so and so only pay a hundred, and they'll tell their testimony, and they'll be all emotional. <laughs> and you're like, "Well, by God, I'm going to do it too." Oh, you should have heard the. I don't know if you were on earlier. Did you hear Carl call up that attorney for uh, Frank's attorney? No, he, he played the call. Oh, it's so good. The, the attorney knew exactly where Carl was coming from, and he started activating the uh, "I'm a legal person. I need to get rid of this phone call card," and. Um, it was amazing. He just started getting really angry and, and started saying, you got an attitude. I don't like your tone. <laughs> it's like, yes. God. You know what the group <laughs> actually classic, touched on. Classic misdirection. It's a good thing for people to learn about misdirection, the legal Misdirection. Story. On Carl's so, second you call last I'm night. I'm too busy. I really must have to go. I've got someone waiting. I, I don't like your tone. You're being argumentative. You know, uh, I don't like your attitude, boy. All that kind of yes. thing. That's, that's, on Carl's, they're little defense weapons to make you on the back, put, knock you off your standing and put you on the back foot. On Carl's second call last night, I think it was after the recording showed ending. It was a second part, like an hour and so on. The group actually had a great idea about publishing Carl, about uh, putting the paper, making a report. And these these entities, these fictions, if you will, they're men and women, but they're acting. They don't want to be exposed. And when you start publishing, in the, like in a, in a newspaper, the old common law way is to uh, notice the people on, in the newspaper. They're like, holy crap, we better cut this yeah, crap I think, out. So what you're basically saying is they're kind of anti-celebrity. They're anti-celebrity. They want the money of celebrity, but they're anti-celebrity because they're evil bastards. So, uh, yeah, you know, giving them, giving them the wrong press, well, you know, it might help. Yeah, I, I explained to somebody who was religious on a call recently that, you know, all these years of hearing about Satan, I've never seen a little horned devil, but I do see what people are doing as actors that I call evil. So, so, so but once you expose it or bring it out of the cave, you know, that's when you can, you can shed light up on it and the people can, you know, help you uh, <clears throat> subdue it. Yeah, they've had a free reign at the moment. They went straight for the government and they got it all cozy and uh, all under control. Yeah, the story and over, of the, over the hundreds of years, they've made it. They've made it their little meat wagon of money. Yeah, the story of the story of Frankenstein. I believe Carl uh, helped reveal what that really was about. It was about the beast yeah. that, that somebody created getting out of control. No, it's about Mary Shelley. It's about corporations. It's about lots of body parts, lots of body parts of humans working together to form one big monster, one big person uh, for evil intent. So that's, that's where Frankenstein is. So he's going along collecting an arm from here, a leg from here, and that basically represents whatever local authority you've got. And then that, with that with that new monster, they can they can go out and cause evil on behalf of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah what we've been doing all these years is we've been replicated, uh, acting as part of the uh, monster. You know, we look like it, we talk like it, legalese, whatever the situation may be. Instead, when you get back to the common law, and says, you know what, that was fun at one time. I no longer want to be a part of that, so I'm going to... Take off this title, 
And well, I'm I think it's the best know. thing that everyone can do, especially if you're a self-employed person or a sole trader, as we've been indoctrinated to call ourselves. Just just go back to being a man and just say, you know what, screw your system. Thank you very much. But the problem is that everyone has to do that at once because if one or two or three people do it, they'll they'll just get clobbered. You know, if everyone just says, you know what, I, apparently I'm a man and I don't need to pay you any money for my my living or for my property, I can just go about my day and uh, do what I do and be fully liable for all, all the all the mistakes I make. So that's that's in terms of sole tradery kind of you know individual business people people who own their own whatever fitness clubs you know all the, all the small businesses small and medium businesses that make up like the bulk of the uh, the economy anyway they're the people that need to like wake up to us and say well apparently I can save myself a lot of tax but at the same time they need to put that money to good use with the churches or with their communities with their neighbours with the needy in their areas hospices stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I was listening to somebody tell a story. I think it's J.K. Rowlands, the one that did the Harry Potter uh, movies or books. And they, they gave a great uh, story about what, what we've been doing so long. We've been acting and looking like someone else's character that they have copyright uh, uh, rights to uh, administer us because we're acting like it, we're looking like it, we're participating in it. And what we really need to do is say, hey, oops, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, And they'll tell you, well, get out of my play. You know, because if, you, if you're going to be a part of my system or if you're going to look like my characters, then I have copyright uh, authority over you or uh, intellectual property. Mm, I don't know about that, but that's an interesting angle. Yeah, if you, if you come to my house and sign up as being a well, who's going to make the house, you know, I'd love to meet. I'd love to meet the person who's going to make that copyright claim against me because that would be, be king bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that'll yeah. be the, uh, the, the council of it. Not the Council of Elrond, but the Council of Saruman or whatever. You know, they'll have to reveal themselves. Yeah, what what they do is it's, it happened in the, the area known as New York. Some of these people are dressing up like uh, Disney Disney characters, and they're getting sued because that's that's their intellectual property. You know, because if if you're going to be Mickey Mouse, if you're going to be Mickey Mouse, then you know, in a certain area, you have to actually uh, obey the rules of Mickey Mouse. No, but the thing is, um, in the UK, copyright, intellectual copyright laws and stuff like like the Beatles, I think their stuff is coming out of copyright now. I think it lasts like, what would that be, 50, 60 years at most? And then after that, it becomes essentially public property. But the thing is, what the copyrighters in America are doing, especially with Disney and all these old cartoons, they just keep, re- they keep lobbying Congress and stuff to have copyright going on forever, which is not technically how it's strictly supposed to be. It's supposed to be... Um, you know, private for a certain amount of time, and then once it's in the domain for a public domain for such a period of time, then it becomes public property. So yeah, that's that's the normal way of it of it doing. But people are going to say Mickey Mouse for the for the rest of time is is going to be making money in some sort of copyright intellectual, you know, value. Then unfortunately, it's been it's been in the public domain long enough for that to be the case. Which is what the Beatles are going to be experiencing very soon. They're not going to have royalty payments on a lot of their original hits back in the sixties and seventies. That was just an example. I was saying about how we kind of look when we sign up to be citizens of something. We say, "Yeah, I'm a citizen of whatever," and then we have duties and obligations of that family. Yeah, true. I mean, the thing is, the way that Carl puts it, it's like, "Why would you be? A, you already are a citizen of your own family." Why would you be a citizen of anyone else's? And the only time I'm actively a UK or a US citizen is when I go on holiday because I've got to show my passport at their airports. 
Yeah, we already have a system. Like if you want to be a, a citizen of a family, it's called adoption, where you abide by the rules, you know, delegated by the head. If you weren't born into the family, you can you can be part of a family by uh, association or adoption, as long as you abide by the rules, or they'll they'll say you're dead to me, get out. Yeah, but um, like I say, there's just the government. Somehow over the years, the government's turned from public service sector to a to a, a citizen running administration for the uh, and also a corporate lobbyist for being lobbied by the corporate entity. So it's quite funny. But you know, I think in England particularly, like today, we had a lady who uh, had a good success in the courts today. She had a massive success. The judge was on side. The judge realised what she was doing, and he uh, he stepped in and actually uh, did the common law shit to the letter, and uh, dismissed the other guy's um, motion for was it a motion or an order for collection or something like that. They managed. To, he said no, which is which is cool. You got to realise that in 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 England we 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 have no idea of common law. It's only since Carl came back from America, you know, and said hello. There's something called common law, and it, apparently it started in this country. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, oh really? And uh, it's like, yeah, because we we literally have no clue. And thankfully, because America went off and did its um, independence thing, and you enshrine the common law principles in your constitution and stuff, in the way that you do your uh, your administration of law and court. It's like it, the kind of like the principles that it's based on are enshrined there. So when when it comes back, when Carl can bring that straight back over to the UK, it pretty much fits like a perfect piece of a jigsaw. It just slots in, apart from the spelling maybe and some other nuances that are a little bit different. But it's um it's a pretty good fit. And uh and people in this country have known for a long time that the justice system's been a bit weird. And uh, thankfully, Carl's put put method to their madness of their court systems. It's 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 hilarious. Hilarious to know how it works. A friend of mine and I have looked back to the history of government and the, and the people and the common law, and it goes back to the beginning of time as far as we can we can see. But I wasn't there in 1215, but I do notice that uh, Princess Diana uh, was really glorified over here, you know, made it made as a vanity and made her a superstar. And Carl helped clarify that um, the queen is actually good. I was like, I used to say, who is this queen? Who is this screw her? But he made me realize yeah. that the queen represents the people, you know, the common law yeah, uh, yeah. people, and, and and then the corporate system in her absence is there to administrate, you know, the corporate the corporate world or yeah. those who participate in it, and it's a good system. But if you do something to one of the people, and you may, you have to make the queen come down from the tower, oh hell no, you got a problem. Yeah. Oh, you got big problems. That's why you got to keep it in the private and settle it on the private side. But the problem is, this is the funny thing with their mystical courts of. No, no man is actually there, but we're going to do you. We're going to hold you liable for all the, uh, all, all the bills and debts and and whatever, you know. So they bring you down to a hocus pocus court and they trick you to speak, and they trick you to contract, and then and then you're wondering why you're paying fines or you're in prison and stuff like that. So as soon as people realise how to evoke the Queen's Bench back again, or in your case, the Common Law Court record, then uh, you're laughing. You're laughing. But the thing is with the Queen, right? The Queen in England is really quite funny because there's all kinds of issues about how she signed her coronation oath. Because I remember Carl talking about non-assumption, and if you don't want to sign for a contract, you sign at the top. And I was like, is he saying that because of the Queen's coronation thing? Because there's been a lot of dubious stuff about her signing the coronation 
uh, oath. Because you remember, you, you know, the undersigned is kind of a legal term, isn't it? You know, the undersigned agree to the above. So everything above it, you, uh, you, you agree to. But the Queen signed, like, above on the very top white bit of the yes. paper. Yes, we, found that, we like, found that in our documents, too, because yeah, when you sign at the top or you put your fingerprint, you put your fingerprint at the top or sign at the top, you're, you're the head. You're not the one undertaking. No, yeah, you're not under. Yeah, exactly. You're not doing the undertaking. You're you're non-assumption. You're above, and everything below. Who cares? Anyone could anyone could have written that in. You know what I mean? Says, so oh, I didn't write. I didn't sign my signature under that. So it's very interesting that. And uh, recently on the BBC, they were saying about how she's a hereditary monarch, and she's not a hereditary monarch. Um, mm-hmm. She's a um, she's a she's a constitutional monarch most of all. And since we had our revolution. Um, we um, she's actually technically voted in apparently by the clergy, like the uh, the Church of England vote her in, and they accept they accept um, they accept the uh, the title because the, the crown is basically it's not it's, it was changed a long time ago from automatically being like some sort of despotism of a king, which is pretty much what the legal system been fighting all these years, um, to someone who's 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 but it's just a figurehead really it's not a president of america you know it's just the same really but as long as we've got the queen the queen enacts and enables a lot of the other laws that both the legal system require rely on and the, and the formation of government rely on and also with that the ancient customs of the common law so it's, so yeah she's an interesting chat and also she's just an interesting character because recently in the newspapers they think someone got a picture of her doing like the nazi salute salute during the world war ii area so she was doing like a Hitler salute when all that fun and games was going on, and they released that. And it's like I was I quite wondering. I want to, you know, does it really matter if she's a Hitler sympathizer or not? I thought well, it doesn't really matter because you won't be able to convince the whole country. Let's let's go the way of Hitler. Let's go the way of fascism. Let's, you know, I like this. I like this long distant relative of mine from the German fatherland. It doesn't matter because once you take up the. Uh, the the, uh, the bonds of a public servant, and then you know as soon as you step out of line, you're you're risking a lot. So she's not a well, reptoid that eats babies, right? I don't know about that. I'm, I'm no, there's, there's a, there's no, I mean, like yeah, misdirection, and the moon is hollow, or it's, or it's too close, or it's you know all this kind of nonsense. I mean, yeah, I watched. I a believe lot those of conspiracy experience. theories were put out there by the legalese society to make you not want to uh, observe. What, yeah. what that system really is, oh, how yeah, powerful yeah. it really is. Well, they've got some, I mean, with the Diana thing and, and all the funny, I'm sure they have their funny little funny handshake club, but who cares? Who cares? Who cares about it? It's just, it you know, you're reading into something that has nothing to do with you and you won't learn anything from le- reading about it. Um, I remember when I watched Alex Jones, and I, I used to watch Alex Jones a lot, but I, I just had to stop watching it. It's just, it was just doing my head in. And then eventually he, he did that prank that he was, um, he was acting like my favorite comedian. Uh, was it? Was it uh, Bill Murray? No, not Bill Murray. Bill Hicks, man. He did a, he did a, he did a like a fake post that he was actually Bill Hicks in hiding for all this time, and they did a bit of like an article on it. And I saw that on YouTube, and I was kind of like, "What the hell are you doing, Alex?" And it's like, you know, not only did he die of cancer like all those years ago, was it prostate cancer or something like that, lung cancer? I can't remember. But it's like, you know, to, to come out and like do that, I was just like, man, that's just like bad. Bye, Alex. See you later. That's gone. You lost. You've lost a viewer. You don't yeah. take piss out my my heroines. <laughs> yeah, Bill Hicks, Bill Hicks went over to uh, you know the secret societies and got that special life extending technology, and now you just got to buy his vitamins and minerals uh, from his website. You know, <laughs> he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he likes eating lots of steak and burgers and stuff. Yeah, well, there's some truth to that longevity in Doctor Wallach, but uh, yeah, Alex is a little bit extreme. Everyone's got to die. It's it's, it's nature's ultimate. But you know what? Um, 
when you when you observe our system here and what they call the Constitution and amendments, our our forefathers uh, that created <laughs> this republic, uh, they adopted most of their stuff from England, and it's a beautiful system. And it's it's, it's all about the paperwork from our uh, from uh, you know one through five and on uh, down to the first ten of the. Uh, uh, the Bill yeah. of Rights and all, all that good stuff is all about the paperwork uh, and and a, the freedom of the press. You know that's what they did with Carl's case. Uh, they put they put actually put notices in the paperwork. That's the old common law method. If you want to destroy somebody or create an image or a false image or you know presumptions, you put it in the paperwork. And that's why they're so fearful of the people actually noticing properly in the like in the paperwork or the county uh, you know, county records and whatnot is because they know the queen might be reading the paperwork. And they don't want to. They, they don't want to piss off the queen or the true people, and have them show up with pitchforks and say, "No, no, you cut it out." <laughs> well, that's what I love about our because she's a constitutional monarchy. She's a monarch. She's a queen under contract. Yeah. So the moment she fucks up, I'm sure that any one of us could make a claim for it, or at least let's get twelve people or a grand jury to make a claim saying, you know, we've joined the EU. That's 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 unconstitutional. Or you've changed your your government's changed the laws on Catholics being able to marry into the royal family. What the fuck is that? Because the whole declaration of no, was it no? The uh, the whole glorious revolution and the declaration of uh, rights that we had is all about you know papal papal despotism, and we didn't want to have anything to do with the Pope. We wanted to be uh, you know an independent church, uh, the Church of England, and um, what they call it, Protestant kind of uh, religion. So now you know you could you, there's so many angles that you could you could uh, you could hold government government persons to to oh man the man and the person i suppose that are in in charge of the government there's a lot of funny dealings going on in our side of the pond well over here we don't have what, what we call kings and queens we're just individual self-governing yeah i, I also made uh, also called the people because they didn't want to confuse you know they said we the people they didn't want to confuse mm. the uh we are, we're actually states or state statesmen but they didn't want to mm. confuse that with the corporation, the capital uh, state, you know, the mm. state of the corporation part. But uh, the people are really what we, what you consider the queen. You know, we're we're in our tower, we're in our highest level. The problem mm. is, we've been acting as the the characters for so long that the people, no one recognizes <laughs> us as the kings. No, the problem is now. The problem is the legal society have got in control of all. Of, it's just funny. It's this spans. Pan America, Pan Canada, Pan over the Atlantic to the UK. God knows what's happening in New Zealand and Australia, uh, India and Pakistan. This is all still crown land as far as I'm concerned. I'm suspicious that America is still crown land as well, uh, based on the way that your Washington DC is a funny old state and it's got funny Masonic symbolism all over the place, but that's neither here, here or there. But it, I'm pretty sure that even though America got independent, very nature of the legal documents and things that are done means that all right you kicked out the queen but the legal system in place was always there in the background you know so essentially the legal the legal governance has always remained consistent regardless of independence well, I, from the queen actually it's, actually it's a dual it's a dual system i was reading an article i think it was on wikipedia about the uh about the queen and it talks about the uh it talks about a dual system uh was a queen that was elected that age 25 became queen i can't remember her name a friend of mine face one if he's on the call uh, but there's a dual system operating. Sometimes you can you, you can hold your you're always a man, you're always a woman, but you can put a crown on you, or have that <laughs> system operate for you. It's a it's a duality going on at the same place. It's like a if you look at your DNA, it's like a two strands a twisting around. They're kind of kind of connected, and it depends on which role you want to play. If if one's no longer working for you, you know you can. Uh, 
you can always hold you know, you're, you're you're a man or woman 24 seven, but mm-hmm. it, you got to rec- you got to recognize the duality that's going on at the same time. And that duality, the crown system can work. It's supposed to work for the benefit of the people or of the queen. Well, no, and it's people, the crown, people can the join crown in. Originally owned by the by the it was the crown and the, the king and the crown. Was, it was like his corporation in a way. It was his like he's like his estate, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, because because the king because the king can't be everywhere twenty four seven. But those who who occupy his office can. Hmm. Well, the thing is, we sold well, the king sold the crown off in about seventeen something, seventeen fifty something like that. It wasn't making any money, so the guy said, the king said, all right, look, I'll sell it off to a bunch of privateers. And so it basically became a corporation and it's been run by God knows probably the legal society or something like that ever since. So that's why they've had a free reign to do what they want. Um, and all they do, they pay the queen instead of like having ownership of the crown. They pay the queen like a royalty for having it every year, something like 40 or 50 million just for, just for having it. It's, it's got a special name. It's like the Royal Allowance or some shit. Uh, but that's basically how that thing works. But yeah, the crown Absolutely. Is, Over here are the corporations. The corporations, like if you come into a territory and you say I'm a corporation and so and so, you still have to abide by the rules that to that don't harm the people. And uh, mm. what they what they'll do is to take your your charter, not your charter, maybe your will, and they'll adopt their own legalese codes. And they can administrate the people, but they can administrate the persons. You know, if you want to be a character mm, in their exactly. play. Well, they never say they never say man. Well, it's very rare you'll see man appear in any of their stuff. Uh, very rare. Yeah, that's, why, that's person, why you see a that's why you see a, that's why you see a charter, a corporate charter, and it's often reviewed or renewed, and their paperwork or books are always open to the ones in power to review them to make sure they're not harming the people. And if they do harm the people, they can be, uh, you know, police, police action, arrested, or even uh, abolished. Okay, that's that's in Delaware, correct, Ronnie? The charter is always filed in Delaware. I'm not sure. There's probably a record somewhere, like like the head, the main office. Every place has a main office, but they will introduce their information first and see if their corporation charter, uh, you know, make sure it abides by the rules of the locality that it's in. Okay, and another question, and then I'll, I'll mute out. Um, when you file something in the courthouse, basically you're filing it, or you can go to the land records and file it there. Some people tell me that you got to do both. I disagree. I think when you file it at the courthouse, it just sits there. Most most of the time, it just sits there. But if you go to the recorder of deeds office, which is away from the courthouse, that's where you, I'll, you're going to you're going to get out. You're going to get I'll, action. I'll give it a- I'll give an opinion on that in just a second, but let me let me explain it like this. Like we have several states here in America, and when you operate in commerce, like one corporate charter over in one state can manufacture a product with, let's say, blue paint, just for example purposes. But over in California, I mean, you, you, it's the same company, same corporate charter, different state rules. You can't make blue paint over in California. It's got to be red paint. So there's a lot of time and energy spent going crisscrossing across the country because. Even though it's the same corporation, they have to abide by the rules of the people of that area. So, so, so if if they violate the rules, then they they, ha- they don't have permission to operate there because it's harming the people, you know. But on on that record thing, we were talking about that yesterday with Walmart. Like, if you buy something from, let's say Walmart, if you don't have a receipt for it, if it's not paid, 
that product is still administrable. They can still sell it to whomever. They can sell it over and over and over again because no one has the note, the true note, the true receipt. So until that matter is paid for and there's a receipt, you can't show it's settled. You can't make a claim that it's settled and recorded properly. It's still administrable if, in theory, if you're still paying on it. Our people get, they get these mortgages, and in 30 years they get it paid for, but they don't settle the matter. They don't have the receipt. That product is still sellable to others because you, you, you can't technically show proof that you own it. There's, still, there's kind of a lien on it still. But if you, if you, if you can show up with the receipt, the matter's settled. You just got to settle it. Well, that's the whole big. That's the that's the key right there. They don't give you the receipt. Well, that's why these uh, these bank you hear about these frauds, bank frauds, or what do you call it, lending frauds, is no one's. Well, they, some people are, but if they don't record it properly and settle the matter because they got the receipt that is paid for and show that hey, this matter is settled, they're not doing that. So these banks are taking it and selling it over and over and over. Just just like if you go to the store and you walk out and don't have the receipt, they say, give me that freaking thing back, and they'll sell it to your neighbor. They don't care. That's that's, that's a bit strange because in, in, in England, we have, a, like, your mortgage account has a bank statement with it. Are you saying that if you, if you make your bank statement zero and pay your mortgage off, that's not a receipt of payment? No, it can be if if it's properly recorded as the matter's settled. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's done every 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 day you get trans- all the transactions in and out whether it's just an interest once a month and one payment going in but you know they normally record it here and that's what i was saying earlier here we have the justice system and that it, that just sits in, you can do your file you can do your claim you can do counterclaim whatever it just sits there but if you go and take it i guess that's i guess the justice system is the private court I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm guessing here. And then if you take it to the recorder of deeds, that goes out to the public. Thoughts? I don't know why why you'd want to make your public property private property public anyway. Because they already did. Well, that's that's fine, but this is what Carl said in one of his videos once, or video, well, YouTube videos, uh, was that you know, like an old granny. If, you, if an old granny's on the, and she's got no, she's got no documentation to say that she actually owns it, like no deeds, and she'll just she'll just making a claim. Look, I've lived here for sixty years. My neighbours know me. You'll get neighbours to say, yeah, I know Doris. She's lived on the hill there for God knows how long, and that essentially becomes ownership. Then doesn't it? You know, no one else is going to come and say, no, actually, I've got the deeds. They're here in this mysterious vault somewhere. And even if they have deeds, it doesn't mean anything because the ladies, you know, it's like possessions, nine tenths of law. She's there. It's her land. She's got it all fenced up. She's been running it for God knows how long. And, uh, you know, the job's done in that, in that respect. Uh, it's only when it comes to passing it on through official deeds, and that's probably where things become a bit more interesting. But as long as the family remains in occupation of that, maybe occupation is the wrong word, but, you know, as long as they're there. What if they come there and, and kick you out? With guns and rifles well, and yeah. well, drones yeah, and charging one pound a day, one pound a second. This is what I mean. They they, they only kick you out under um, some sort of merchant law, or comm- some sort of commercial law, which is what I've been finding. 
finding out is like they um they they will call it they won't call it property they'll call it like they'll call it real uh, property is they what they call, call it, it. Like a, well, no, they can't call it real property because it's like you're, you're, you wouldn't be building on public, you know, it's like you wouldn't build a hut on a, on a highway and say, yeah, that, I live here. You know, that's like, you know, this real property is like in the public domain. You'd say this is private land, so that would be pretty easy to, to knock off. But um, no, in, terms, in terms of like what they'll do is like call it like you've got a dwelling house or they'll, they'll use very specific legal terms to try and trick you into thinking that they're talking about your land and your property. Uh, they'll use all kinds of weird legal similarity, similar words, uh, synonyms that sound very similar to what you've got, and they'll, they'll write you in a in a in an aggressive manner to try and convince you that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.